Blog Talk Radio. Hello, happy Sunday. This is Seeds of Change, and I'm your host, Danielle St. John. Elizabeth is out today doing some family stuff, uh, but Mom's here. Mom, if you want to push one. Uh, there you are. Hello. Good afternoon. Yes, yes. And um, it. And I'm tired. Well, I think we're both tired. Um, we've yes. been battling building chicken coops um, and runs today. So And, and uh, it looks beautiful. I'm it? super Good. excited. Uh, it looks really nice. Um, it's everything I was hoping for. Um, but... <clears throat> But I'm tired. <laughs> right. I've, been up, I've been up since early. We, we hit uh, Home Depot at like 10 minutes after 7 and um, getting the materials that we had ordered last week. And mm-hmm. yes, and of course, I had to go back to Home Depot, which is always, always going to happen when you do a project like that. You, there's always something that you miss. Yeah. So it was a good day. It was a very good day. And... I baked a pie with my granddaughter, which was the best oh. part of the day. And I haven't you made tried fried it yet. chicken. You haven't? It's good. It came out it came out pretty good. I wonder if the kids have tried it yet. No, nobody. Yeah, Ava's actually taking a nap. <laughs> She's tired too. Yeah. Um, it's a good day. It's a very good day. I was going to try to get a hold of Deborah, who runs, by the way, the best rescue on the entire planet. If anyone is interested, it's called Rescue Ruse Adopt a Cock, which is kind of fun um, for a name. But she does um, take in literally hundreds of roosters every every year, and then adopts them out into the community because most um, <clears throat> principalities, shall we say, here in California. Um, say there is a rule about not having roosters because of the noise violation that they make. And so people love to hatch their own babies. It's a lot of fun. I like to myself, um, but we're not allowed to have roosters. So she runs a rescue um, adopting all the birds all over Southern California that people can't keep. And um, it's a great um, it's a great, uh, if you have any thoughts of maybe donating to a rescue, it's a great idea. So where Absolutely. is it? Because what, to... what, what is the alternative? You can, you right. can they get, maybe they get give killed. them to the Humane Society or they get killed. Um, so, right. But here's the thing. The Humane Society often will say, sorry, we don't have any room for any more roosters. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens once, you know, once a year when everybody in the spring and then right into the summer when people start to realize they have roosters. Um, <coughs> the um, Sorry for coughing um, in your ear. It's okay. Uh um, they, they get overrun and they say, sorry, we can't take anymore. And um, so so these these birds just, you know, a lot of times people just up off in the field um, or they go to places for cockfighting. And um, it's 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 never a good it's never a good look. And like me, a lot of people cannot kill their own birds. So a lot of people would say, well, just call them. <clears throat> They are chickens after all, just eat them. But most people, uh, like me, are a little squeamish about killing birds. I've never done it, and I hope to never have to. 
Anyway, um, so it's a great uh, – she has a Facebook page that I'm trying to find the Facebook page for so we can put it in the chat. And Oh, I can I, – I'm, um, I'm a member, so I'll – find it here it is i got it yeah okay and can you if you're on your computer go ahead and throw it in the chat joanne is with us too we're going to do um we're going to be starting a new segment with um our good friend joanne um joanne press one if you're um if you can hear this and um so we can let you in um but there she is Uh, and yeah so here we go hello are you with us? Technical difficulties. Happy Sunday. There she Yay. is. Yes, Hi, Joanne. How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay, other than being a little tired from the construction project today. Yeah, exciting. So I hear you guys are going to start something new. What's this segment going to be about? <laughs> Whatever is on Joanne's mind. Um, mm-hmm. Did we come up with a title yet, Joanne? Oh, I don't know that I'm ready to settle on a title today. Um, I, I think the reason for that is um, it, there hasn't been a full body yet on all the different ideas that we popcorned. Mm-hmm. And as soon as okay. there is a full body yes, then then I'll then I'll know for sure. Awesome. So, what do you want to talk about today? Well, the last time I visited with you, um, the pressing question was whether or not I had any, quote, advice for folks if they should be um, tested on standing on their rights regarding uh, essentially masking. And I like to use more the phrasing of being free-faced. Yeah. Um, And I've gotten the sense I mean, I, I could be wrong because it, it seems to me that whatever it is that it, we're in a resonance of is what reality will show back to us. And so I surround myself with people who value the same things as I do and live a lifestyle that's closer to what I value. And so folks that are um, connected to me on Facebook and in human, you know, real flesh life, um, they are all telling me that they know all most people are over it and are not going to just um, acquiesce this time. So that that was uh, really confirming what I had suspected is I, I think it was almost like them just trying to see if they could get a reaction from people and if people would be getting mad and upset. And I don't even think that that's, like, what people want to even do is be mad and upset and have to fight. They're just going to, like, eh, I'm, I'm not doing it this time. And it's just, like, super casual. I really hope so. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard me say this phrase before, um, but when the election was um, stolen in 2020, I say that hope died and our opportunity is to now claim it with faith of what it is going to be. Agree. Yeah, that's how powerful we are. That's, that is, um, you know, Christ didn't want to be above us. Christ wanted to teach us that we have all the same magic and miracles and um, connection to God that he has. Yeah, Amen. absolutely. Joanne, can you get a little closer to the microphone, please? Yeah, is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. And we have the benefit of being able to read the end of the book, and we know that we win. That's correct. That's so, that makes it really easy when, when, hello, we got, like, the cheat code. It's like, it's all yeah. going to be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and there, there are so many people out there that are so afraid. Um, and that's really, like, when you were talking about, um, you know, oh, it's to te- let's see the mask thing. Let's test the waters to see if anybody's going to be angry. Um, you know, I, I don't think that people were angry last time, really. I think people were afraid. Uh, and they, they, you know, that fear made them comply, which is why I think it says in the Bible, like, um, do not be afraid is in the Bible, like, you know, a, a ridiculous amount of times. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it, I've heard that it's 365 times, so once for every single day of the year. It is. That would be, it, yeah, all right, there you go. Um, biblical numerology as well. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So that's being I think that's a big part of the human condition is fear I think that we're often ruled by fear we you know we allow ourselves to be ruled by fear and um, you know this time it it doesn't seem like people are afraid Um, and I think that's why everybody did it the first time but not this time so you know if if that's the test the waters moment then I think that they got their answer and even, um, I even have a clip, I'll let you um, continue, Joanne, but I even have a clip today of Dr. Fauci uh, being interviewed on CNN and even CNN kind of pushing back on, on masks. Um, and Fauci gives this gobble, gobbledygook, you know, answer that makes absolutely no sense. Um, but if establishments like CNN are saying, wait a second, um, I think that that means that they've read the room and they know that we're not afraid anymore. Um, and, you know, they tried to push us to, to be angry, right? Because that's another way that they can poke us. But that doesn't seem to be working either. So let's, let's see. There's also Gavin Newsom came out and was like, you know, it's easy to say that you were an expert the first time on, the, on a pandemic, but we, but we made mistakes and, and that we would not repeat the next time around. So... Even if, Cal- if California is doing it, maybe that's a good indication barometer for the pulse of the rest of the nation. Hopefully you're I right. Don't. Hopefully we're not going to do it again. Yeah, I don't mind California leading the way since we have the majority of the population here. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so if we can uh, have, you know, eyes open and head on a swivel. So that was one of my other thoughts as you were sharing um, the Fauci and Newsom um, 411 is, you know, there is that kind of funny tendency, look over here, not over there. So let's keep our head on a swivel and just see what surprises that, you know, could potentially catch us off guard and then just go, oh, yeah, of course, of course, there's this surprise, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall. Um, And just to know that that's exactly what it is. And there isn't going to be a reason to be afraid. It's just something they try to keep under wraps. Right. Well, exactly. of course, they're throwing out these new variants. Be afraid. Be afraid of these new variants. So therefore, yeah, you know, put put the mask back on. Start to, you know, do social distancing. They're they're using all the same phrases that they were using before, and the reason, again, is because of the 2020 election. Just like it was last time. Now it's 2024. They're going to try the same um, big. Uh, bamboozle, but nobody is buying it. So, um, mm-hmm. to your point, 
uh, Joanne, the people that I talk to, uh, they're like, no, no, we're not doing it. I mean, there's a, you, you see a few people still, but then there was people that still wearing masks, um, you know, throughout the entire process. And even once COVID was over, they kept their masks on. And okay, if you mm-hmm. want to keep your mask on, that's fine. But don't try to make me. Um, lots of people also uh, posting on Facebook, which you know didn't used to be allowed. About not one of us ever, uh, not one of us regretted not taking the shot. Mm-hmm. And that was a big um, sort of a push there for when all this started popping back up again. People are just not going to buy the hype again like they did last time. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to do it. And um, that makes me happy. I know. I'm with you. It makes me so happy. Um, one, of the, one of the possibilities of what could be the, quote, surprise is the thing that has unfortunately um, startles people the most is economics and you know in the Bible it talks about you cannot serve two masters and you know money is the root of all evil Um, so you know if there is some weird wild economic thing that happens just to remember God always turns the nefarious into good absolutely and and I, I suppose um, the only thing that I would say to that is it's not if, it's when. Mm-hmm. It's coming. So, it coming. <laughs> you know, buy some, buy some food, put, them in your, put it in your house, and feed your neighbors well, and feed yourself. Well, also, really um, get connected with the concept on Facebook is the buy nothing. It's the gift economy concept. I don't know how many years or when that was founded. I know that I've been actively part of buy nothing for close to 10 years. Yeah, I'm on it, and too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, is a very underutilized um, platform, and I'm certain that that's the way that God wanted us, is to just give when we can and have no fear in asking for help when we need it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I got turned on to it a while ago, too. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Um, I like the, uh, I've been kind of pushing the uh, cooperative economy um, mm-hmm. For a long time, that was part of my my platform when I ran for Congress was, you know, cooperation versus as the um, form of uh, currency. Um, so, but yeah, so that I mean, this is, I mean, it's funny because we've got so much evidence of us talking about this for such a long time, um, and there's a lot of people who are still asleep. So, when it does crash, when our economy does crash. There's going to be a lot of people scared, and um, you know, and not and worried, not knowing what to do. And hopefully, you know, since we've got all of this content, hours and hundreds of hours of content on this specific subject, I think, um, hopefully, we can be the guide in this and and teach people that there's no reason to be afraid. Um, we have everything that we need right here. We have abundance, actually. There's we we this economy creates a false scarcity that would completely go away or, or for the majority go away, um, you know, when the, when, when the economy does crash. So uh, I've been looking forward to it, actually. Um, Yay, and, me too. Yeah. <laughs> people, people who want to burn us at the stake for saying such nonsense, I, though. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But once they realize what a scam this system is, um, and, and it's funny, um, today on September 10th, 2001, 
uh, Donald Rumsfeld announced that there was um, uh, like $3 trillion missing from the Pentagon the day before 9-11. Did you know that? Anybody? I, I, think, I think I learned that from you. Yeah. So that's, this is what we're talking about. Like money is, I mean, and even now, like we're talking about over $21 trillion just missing from the Pentagon's budget since September 10th. Um, $21 trillion. Um, isn't that kind of close to our national debt? You know what I mean? Like, if that's not enough for people to wake up and realize that money is, is it's funny. Monopoly it money. Matter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's not um, Right. It, it's all, it was all designed for nefarious purposes um, with to essentially steal our energy and um, have us believe in this energy that's outside of ourselves. Um, you know, even even a couple of people that I've done this demonstration with when I had a dollar bill and a hundred dollar bill physically and I'm like in front of them and say, isn't it just kind of weird that this piece of paper supposedly can get you more stuff than this other piece of paper? Just the concept alone is baffling. Yeah, exactly. Or things like um, a, a nickel. You know, a nickel is thicker than any other coin. But so, you know, really, like, rationally, shouldn't the nickel be more than a silver dollar? Because it's mm-hmm. got more, you know, tangible weight to it, right? Isn't, I mean, um, but a nickel is, like, the biggest one for, I mean, maybe there was a reason for making a nickel bigger. But mm-hmm. even our coins are, um, you know, a par- like a, a paradox. Like, they're, they don't match to, to what their value is supposed to in the real world supposed to be exactly and i i don't know if it's like one of the maxim laws or something um that i'm not as super articulate in about even when they create their nefarious plan they have to show you evidence where there's like a loophole for you to get out of it and you know for those who have eyes to see so again it, it it's like weak you can only bring a horse to water. You can't make the horse drink it. So you can share things with folks. The, the reality is they'll be more drawn to it when they feel the inner, um, you know, spirit guiding them towards the truth. Amen. Um, the other thing as you were sharing is, the book of Esther, I, it's my personal favorite in the Bible, is that she orchestrated everything but really did nothing. And that's something that I feel really compelled to communicate to other women in my lives, is to really remember and embody the feminine role. Um, because... I think most of us observe that there were a lot more women that were, um, you know, when, you, when you're talking about feeding your children and having access to food, I think that is uh, near and dear to the hearts of mothers. And that that was a driving force of, of us being um, standing in our rights for that. And the opportunity this time around is to have faith that the men have done their work and that they will stand and lead us out of this. Which brings me to my favorite book, Mm. uh, Deborah. (laughs) (laughs) And 
she was a judge um, among of men, and um, I mean, obviously she had to have her husband's permission, but which is actually a bigger insult than than um, than it seems, um, because if a woman was called to be a judge of men, that means that it's very shameful that there were no other righteous men, no righteous men that could judge other men. So it's kind of like a one-two punch. It's not just that there was a woman who was uh, who got elevated to be a judge, but it was that there were no righteous men. So um, I I do have faith that men are um, starting to go back, remember their power. Um, but it's but I just find it ironic that that the, <laughs> that the other you know there's not very many women in the Bible, you know, especially ones that have their own books. And uh, mm-hmm. Deborah <laughs> is one of them, and I think maybe we're going out of the of the Deborah kind of uh, phase, and hopefully into the Esther type of phase. Um, but I, I think that we, you and I both, Joanne, were more on the Deborah side the last time around than this. And I love that. Um, I love that we can grow and um, evolve um, into um, more more um, righteous people. I think that, but that takes the collective. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, I I wish I was as well versed in the Bible as you are, Danielle, um, but I'm not, and I'm always happy to be honest about that. As I'm just inspired to read the things that call me to read them. Mm-hmm. But I was told that the Book of Esther is the only book in the Bible that doesn't mention God by name. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's one of my reasons why it's a go-to is um, the opportunity, I think, is the reminder that, of course, we're all made from God as he is our creator. And so people don't even have to actually speak of God to act in a godly way. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, And as a matter of fact, in this day and age, I think that Christianity um, is very heavily scrutinized, and for good reason. You know, let's let's be real. People kind of messed it up. Like you look at the Catholic Church, we could talk about that all day, but they corrupted what God wanted them to do, um, and because of that, now like there's the pendulum is is swung to the other direction. Not a whole lot of people, um, you know, believe in the Bible. Um, it's the the biblical based religion, um, and the people who are still Christians are persecuted by the majority, I believe. Um, and that's another part of the Bible that says that in the end times that Christians are going to want to go and hide under, the righteous are going to want to go and hide under a rock, right, because of all of the, the scorn coming their way. And I think that's kind of where we are now. So in this day and age, when we've got this opportunity um, to, you know, or, or um, calling um, to spread the word of God, Spreading the word of God without saying that you're a Christian is probably the easiest way that people are going to come to God and understand what God uh, wants, uh, you know, you know, basically wants of them, you know, to be a part of the flock. So, um, you know, I, one time on Facebook I got listed in, um, you know, the top 100 female atheists to follow, and I took that as a compliment because... Mm-hmm. That means that people were able to listen to the things that I say, which are um, 
mostly biblical based, spiritual or Christian Christian based, but alas, I am a sinner. Um, and you know, I, I, so I do live my life in that way and people didn't know that I was a Christian. I was helping people out. I was living a Christian life and, um, they were following me and didn't even know that I was, you know, I was following a Christian way of life. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's a really great way to look at it, of course, because you can consider <laughs> how many Christian women would have been totally offended by by that. Right, exactly. So let's, let's also go ahead and, you know, point the finger at the fact, you know, the in my personal experience, I have been judged most by those who call themselves Christian. Yes. And it's literally uh, in my comprehension of the Bible. And you know how I look at it as a metaphysical tool and that we're all on the same team ultimately as we're all from God. And I just, my preference is not to um, listen to religious um, dogma because I don't want it to be coming from someone behind um, a, um, a pulpit telling me how to interpret the Bible because I'm very certain that I have a connection to God telling me how it is to interpret the same the same chapter in a book in the Bible a different way for different circumstances that I'm facing. Right. And exactly. Like, okay, so here's a good example of that. Um, Paul, when he is doing his, um, his uh, I guess, tour, that's where the Galatians, Corinthians, Ephesians, the Thessalonians, both, you know, going and visiting all of those, those cities, um, you know, it was something that, you know, a, a Bible detractor would say to me, I've, I've gotten this a lot, is that the Bible contradicts itself. And the Bible says that if, it, if a religion contradicts itself, throw it away. And right here it says that, in, right here in um, Corinthians, it says that you should not get married. Unless you're going to, you know, unless you're going to sin, then it's better to be married than to burn. Right? And then over here in um, Timothy, um, it says... That um, that every that, that you should you should have a wife, be sober, virtuous, all of these things um, it, it, to be the. But he's talking to the leaders of churches. Like it's this whole book of Timothy is about. Okay, so you know you you want to be the leader of a church. These are the things that you have to do. It's have to be sober, virtuous. Um, there's a translational debate on whether it says the husband of one wife or at least one wife. Um, because, you know, they did things differently back then. Um, and, and, you know, all, this list of things that you um, have to be. But the reason that having a wife is, um, is very important is because if you can't run your household, how are you going to run a church? And back then, the churches were the centers of the community, right? So mm-hmm. you're basically going to be a community leader, and so if you can't even run a household, how, how could you expect to, to succeed um, as a leader? Now, in, in Corinthians, it was basically the equivalent of modern-day Vegas. It was like Sin City, right? And so mm-hmm. they, um, you know, and so Paul go, looks around and is like, okay, all right, you guys, don't get, don't get married. Don't think about, you know, about your household or your wife. You need to get right with God first right focus on that first and then we can go on but you know if you don't really get into the meat and potatoes of 
of the of the Bible, you wouldn't really know that. You would just pick it up and, and you would say, up, 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 up. These are these two contradicts. Throw it out, right? But each situation really applies differently to different people at different times of their lives. It's the roadmap. The Bible is like the roadmap for life. But if you're looking um, at a, um, a map of Paris and you're in Dallas, it's not going to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. So. That's why I love the way that you do it, Joanne, is that you read the things that your that your spirit calls you to read because those are precisely the things that you need to be hear, hearing and reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had um, – so I, I had heard that how it was said was Galatians. Am I pronouncing it wrong? <laughs> Gal- Galatians? Um, yeah, but okay. you know, Galatians, Galatians is again. correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you say it for me again? Galatians. I think Galatians. Oh, Galatians. Okay, so I was saying mm-hmm. it okay? Okay. Yes. yes. Um, so a friend of mine, was this, mm, was this like November? Yeah, November of 2021, so almost two years ago, um, had it laminated on a card before I had my fun little trip to the courtroom um, for the Poway Unified School District scenario. And it, it had Galatians 5.18, um, but if he is filled with the Holy Spirit, he is not under the law. And I share that a lot on Facebook because um, yourself cannot lie to yourself until you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you know if you do something out of contempt or if you do something out of faith. You can't lie to yourself. And that reminded me that everything that I was doing I knew was just and with love and I have had Christians say to me on Facebook no that's out of context you need to read the whole thing and I'm like well it was handed to me in a time of need as a reminder that I know what my connection to God is what it is so I only need that one verse and and sometimes you can read the first couple pages of a book and you get what the author was conveying, and you don't have to read the book cover to cover. So, again, we're all going to pick up the Bible and have however God directs us in that moment. And I'm just really glad that I was given that um, because in the circumstances that unraveled in that process with my visit to the court, was um, it was disheartening, and at the same time, because I had that um, reminder of being connected to God through the Holy Spirit that I was I was just in surrender and that's, that's been my ongoing lesson personally is the surrender um, and it's not surrender to the will of man it's surrender to the will of God and so that can look differently because what God calls you to do one day can be 180 degrees different the next day yes it's true all according to his good purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all things work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. I love that. <clears throat> so, I love this talk. I love this. And, I, and I'm sure you're, you know, you're not going to do the Bible every week, but, you know, I hope, I wish you would. I love it. <laughs> I, so, sometimes I'm fascinated by the little um, idiosynchronicities that happen in life that compel me to go look up a verse. Um, I want to say it was 
today that I I knew that I was going to be drawn, like it, it hit my spirit that I was going to be drawn to look at the book of Matthew more. And I'll, I'll probably pull up a YouTube um, segment to listen to it um, as when I get ready for bed tonight because that's typically when it, like I'll connect and hear it more. And whatever I was posting had me, oh, I've got to find out what that verse is that talks about that where you cannot serve two masters. You know, so just using the search engine, and I'm like, oh, of course it's Matthew 6:24. And Spirit already told me today that I would be studying the Book of Matthew. <laughs> huh, that's awesome, isn't Mom? Isn't that uh, uh, don't you have Matthew in your um, uh, email signature, or am I always wrong? Yeah, I was yeah. in prison, and you came to visit me. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. It's the one. So all Will the things it? that that people are supposed to do: uh, feed people. Uh, feed hungry people, help sick people, visit people in prison, clothe the naked. That's what we're supposed to do. Do those things. So I suppose if you decide that you want to be doing something that God would love, he walks back into the room. That would be one of them, visiting people in prison and jail. <clears throat> yes, I, that is my email signature. It's Matthew 25... Something. Ooh, sent. I'll tell you right now. While you're looking that up, I I have um, few a few friends who left the medical industry um, and and decided to surrender their license um, due to all of the shenanigans over the last few years. And mm-hmm. um, I know someone who actually did work in a, a COVID ICU unit, and I remember asking her. Um, after she did leave and no longer needed to be concerned about consequences, I said, could you get me in there so that I can hold the hands of the family, like of the, you know, folks that are on ventilators? Because apparently their families are too afraid to fucking fight and go. Sorry for the swearing, but when I get passionate, it it just comes out. And it made me angry. It made me angry that there was such a thing as they called it, I want to say they called it the hand of God when they would blow up those latex gloves and put warm water in it and tie it to give to the people dying on ventilators. And I thought, how dare you have some kind of um, virtue signaling that you're doing something for them instead of actually standing on the right side, which is break the rules because the rules are immoral and allow these people's family members to come and see them. Yeah. That was one of the worst, nasty, vicious, unnecessary things that happened in COVID. Mm-hmm. People were dying. They were dying anyway. Let their family in. How dare they? The medical community disgraced itself. Mm-hmm. I will never trust them again. Ever. After what and, they did to people. And I, I do have the sense that that is by God's design. Because, again, he already knows what the nefarious plan is. No question about it. Yeah. And he wants us to really just have faith in him and his design of the human body. Absolutely. And if, if my mom was in the hospital and it was a choice of me worrying about, quote, unquote, getting COVID and being with her in her last moments, of course I'd want to get sick or, or risk getting sick, which turns out it was all bullshit. Anyway, pardon the expression, 
Okay. They should not have taken that choice from us. Mm-hmm. And they broke their own system. And and no one no one will trust them again ever. Amen. With the care, with the care of our our loved ones. No, there were people that were refusing to go to the hospital because they they didn't want to be there by themselves. There were pregnant women having to deliver their children by themselves without their mom or their sister or their uh, they they forced a dear friend of mine who already had heart trouble perhaps from covid ostensibly so they say to get a vaccine so that he could go with his vaccinated pregnant wife girl mother of his child to be by her side when she delivered their son they said you, you you can't come to this hospital unless you get the vaccine they 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 forced him to make a, a, an awful choice and they did the same thing to the pregnant woman you can't deliver your child here unless you get vaccinated yeah i've said really, this quite a few really. go ahead go ahead i, I was, was going to say um that um you know it, it's i've said and this now before my, but they wouldn't even let yeah, well, he does, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't yes. need to cut you off. Um, no, it's okay. But I did. Yeah, but so the, I remember when um, they wouldn't even let us eat room temperature lunch meat when we were pregnant. And now they're like, go get this experimental, you know, mRNA vaccine. Yeah. Like, Required. In order to come and deliver your child, you had to make a choice. To endanger your health or deliver your child safely in a hospital setting. What? Yeah, that's why people should have babies at home. Wicked people do we have with this this authority? Okay, so speaking of authority, obviously there's only one authority that I answer to. Okay, one. On the other hand, the medical community. We place our trust and our faith, I did, did, in the medical community to make the very best, safest decisions for us, okay, to keep us well, to help us when we're sick. And these people made decisions for us, about us, in the most wicked, evil possible way. They couldn't, they couldn't have made it more ugly and nasty and vicious if they had tried. And so we will have a whole generation coming up that that won't trust the medical community. They're going to start doing home remedies. They're going to start treating themselves, which perhaps, speaking of God's plan and the end, which is something we should have been doing all along, trusting our Father to take care of us and guide us to the medications and healings and treatments and natural remedies that we should have been using that our our foremothers generations and generations and generations used. They didn't go to the hospital ever. Ever. They treated themselves at home. And, you know, they weren't perfect, but we have a whole lot more knowledge now. Each generation helped us. I'm, I'm sickened. I'm sickened by the, the the wickedness that occurred during COVID, and they're trying to do it again. I have a lot of information in the, for the Good News report that um, 
that talks about that, but it also talks about the resistance to it, as you so eloquently put it, Joanne. Sorry, <laughs> I guess I went on a rant. I apologize. I'm, I'm furious. Rants are good, and and God does give us anger so that it can be a catalyst for change. Yes, and so the, that's the so main the, point of re, of of knowing, like our for women, because we do we do have more emotions um, than men, is to know what each emotion's purpose is, because they all serve a purpose. They do, and 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 my, and mine, which is it's called righteous anger. When we see an injustice, okay, so when, when Jesus even got angry, and there was a, there's a there's a, a scripture in the Bible of a story in the Bible where he enters the temple and he sees his the poor people being taken advantage of by the money changers in the temple, and he went through and flipped the tables over and you know whipped a couple of them and and called them all kind of uh, brood of vipers. It's called righteous anger. That's the only time he got that they showed him to be angry in the Bible, because because when you see an injustice being done to someone who cannot uh, care for themselves, in other words, they have no power to to thwart the injustice. That's the time we're supposed to speak up. That's the time we're supposed to be angry. When you know we can get you know petulant and pissy when it happens to us. But I still have the faces of those those family members in the, with the glove and the warm water and the oh, infuriating. How dare you take that from those people being with their loved ones? They didn't let them go to funerals of their of their dead loved ones. This it's it's anathema, and I think as you say. It's been used as a catalyst, and also, and you know, I love that you mentioned the 2020 election because it. it that, speaking of a catalyst, everyone knows. It's 67 percent of the country now believe, according to Rasmussen, that that the election was fraudulent in in some form or fashion. People it are takes waking what it up. Takes. Yep. It's it, you know I I say that every week because I I do a little sort of battle with Elizabeth <laughs> because she believes that people are you know still being sheeple and I'm like no it's not true we don't have a microphone like you know and we never have so what now at this point we're not getting our news from from the uh, propaganda state anymore we're stopped watching um, but there's millions of us. Literally, 67% of the country now knows that the election was stolen. Well, they, he frames it fraudulent. So you're, you're and right. And that's why I think that the Bernie the, the Bernie Sanders movement was very important, even though you Talk know about he the did end up being a, yes, yeah, he did end up being a sheep herder. But that woke up a lot of people to the to the fact that it, you know, even before the two main candidates are picked, that it's rigged. Like we have and no. They're doing it again you know, this year. Exactly. Yeah, they're doing it again this year. Now, now it's a little different because it's an in, there's an incumbent president, but um, on the Democratic side, or, or the Democrat side. But yeah, basically they're doing the same thing. And, and you know, so Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump have more in common than people think. I agree. And as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, Donald Trump is still talking about what they did to, to Bernie Sanders in 2020. He still talks about it at his rallies. Yeah. Can I interject something so I don't forget? Mm-hmm. 
I have had the perception, this is after, because I was definitely a Bernie Sanders gal, and I stopped watching the news after that whole um, debacle and um, decided that God wanted me to pay more attention to getting ready to be a surrogate and have my hormones be balanced and everything. So I, I stopped tuning in to any of the news. And I'm a reformed uh, Democrat, by the way. And that's, I, I did at that time, 2016, vote for Hillary, but I did so with like incredible guilt, incredible guilt. Like I did yep. it with incredible guilt. I had watched two documentaries um, that, you know, of course, now I know that they were fake documentaries that were just propaganda. Um, that they really did portray. <laughs> you held your nose and you held your nose and I voted. Did. Huh? Yeah. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really felt like, you know, God forgive me if I'm choosing the wrong one. Um, and I, I did feel like I was choosing the wrong one, but I didn't know, but my brain wasn't there yet to get past the propaganda. So um, what I was going to say is um, when um, our kids woke up on the morning of the election news that Trump had won, I remember their dad saying to them, um, you know, if anyone wants to bring up any of the issues um, regarding, you know, how, how is it that he could be named the president, just, you know, just don't talk about it. The best thing is just to not talk about it. There's, there's no reason to get into arguments with people regarding this, especially because, you know, talking to our children. And I really felt like that was taking the high road of let it, let it just let's just see what happens right and um when i learned that he kept his promise that first quote paycheck and i guess he had uh, however the rules and stipulations are is that he has to take one dollar but i guess it's a hundred thousand dollars per quarter Mm -hmm. if i remember correctly and that he he followed to what he said that he would not take a paycheck and it was just the one dollar and he donated it to i think the first one was like the national forest service or something like that yep and i was like, wow, who does that? And exactly. I can feel it inside of me of that is something to pay attention to. Yes. And that was a game changer for me because who does who we, does turn away the money, right? And I have felt that all of the very interesting things that Donald Trump has done, it's like, hey, don't be so afraid. You can do it too. Yes. Yes. And all of us can. That is, is how he encouraged everyone was like, oh my gosh, this is not just really a, a politician, is it? He's going to like actually do, do, do what he says he's going to do. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have the sense, um, you know, we can all speculate, right? But the sense that I have is that Donald Trump doesn't even actually wish to be our leader. I I have the sense that he wishes for us to learn how to lead ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yep. And so he's coming back again, and they're doing everything they possibly can to take him out. Um you know, even to the point of, you know, just massively unconstitutional behavior and, you know, but they've gotten away with it so long. They just, at this point, they just don't, don't give a, you know what, they just mm-hmm. doing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, they have they to, t- they have to, because if they, if they actually lose this, then there's, it's going to be very bad for these people. 
so yeah, it is. And and guess what? Because he's coming for all of them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Danielle, would you mind if I if I start a little early and then and then go lie down because I I'm really 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 tired from this morning. I, I hate to interrupt. This has been a beautiful conversation. Just want to want to do the stuff that I had picked out for this week, and then and then I'm gonna I'm gonna lie down because I'm tired. Okay, no problem. Um, Don Michaels I'm, here, so I'm gonna let him in. Um, oh, good. No. Oh wait, he put his hand down. Um, oh. Okay. Want to push one again, Don Michael? So go. Yeah, go ahead. Get started. Oh, here he is. Okay. So um, hey. Danielle, the. The first thing that I want you to do is to this point about them getting away with the things that they're getting away with, okay? Mm-hmm. And I want you to play a clip. I'm going to put it in the um, the chat. Okay. I don't know what you got going on behind you, but you have some background noise. I don't think it's me. Oh, it might be me. Hi, everyone. No, no, no. It's it been might be me. Me. It might be Joanne. I don't know. Hi, John Michael. Hi, sister. Joanne. Hello. I'm going to mute myself and see if that stops the background noise, okay? okay? It did. It did, yeah. I can mute myself, too, if you guys want. No, you're good. Oh, and I have a funny I, and, story and I don't, to tell you, Danielle. I didn't want Joanne to mute herself. I just was pointing it out. I wasn't sure if anyone knew that they had it. So, yeah. Uh, so before John Michael uh, starts to chat with us, I just want to tell everyone that John, Michael's, it, it, John Michael is a smarty pants. He's been kicking <laughs> ass and taking names in school, finishing early, getting straight A's, and um, had a little bit tussle with uh, that lying, cheating, thieving devil trying to t- talk crap to him happens every semester. Yeah, he always does. The, yep, the thief comes liar, only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? Right. And, and you know, the, the way that he does it is through our minds and our, our thoughts and our hearts. And so I just wanted to say that John Michael is a rock and star student. And the Democratic student. Party. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever looked back? And I know Danielle has, but have you ever looked back? I don't know if the rest of you have been Democrats, but I was. I was I too. Back Our entire like, family God, was. God, I fucking course, jo- yes. I was with these fuckers. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Republican right. either, but like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we, we All must- right, I've got this. I've got this clip ready. If you, if you are, it's only like 45 seconds. So ready. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Okay, three, two, one. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, maybe I don't have it ready. Hold on, here we go. Three, two, one. Let me get this straight. You went to the FBI and reported him for potential crimes without any evidence. Do I have that correct? Um, we went to the FBI and reported. Please answer my question. Yes, our no. belief that criminal activity had occurred. That was not my question. That was Witness, not my please question. answer the question. Yes or no. Can I ask it again, Mr. Vassar? Please. I want to get this straight. You went to the FBI on September 30th with your compatriots and reported the elected attorney general of this state for a crime without any evidence. Yes? That's right. We took no evidence. What do you got here? 
Going to the store. Sorry, I'm on the phone. Going to the store to get some coffee. That's it. That's it. That's the clip. Okay, so, so what? Now we need some context because who's who's the attorney general they're talking about? Okay, it's Attorney General Ken Paxton. But the reason why I had you play that clip to start the good news, and John Michael, you definitely need to meet yourself. Since oh, you're going okay, to sorry. No, it's okay. We love you. They went to the FBI and they said we think he's doing something bad, and we want you to open an investigation. Okay. So I need for everyone that's listening to understand concept of a crime is a commits a, a crime is a crime occurs and law enforcement investigates the crime. We yeah. have completely changed to we don't like this person, so let's go digging through their life to find out if, and we think so, and if not, we can manufacture something, <laughs> a, a crime. Our justice system is upside down. So Ken Paxton, and I want to talk a little bit about Ken Paxton and why this is important, is, is was the Attorney General of the state of Texas. Okay? And he... <clears throat> obviously doesn't toe the line to the Democrat narrative. He wants to prosecute people for things that they're doing wrong. And he he make, takes no, no prisoners and makes no favorites. And he's gotten into the shorts of a few people. Having said that, I said that our entire family was Democrat for generations. <clears throat> I got converted to the conservative slash Republican Party after 9-11. Danielle will chuckle over that. And it, it was during the Bush um, Gore, Bush v. Gore election. And I woke up on the day after the election and I was we were driving in the car and I don't remember where we were going or what we were doing but I looked out over the ocean and it was very clear to me, because God, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, God spoke to me today. It doesn't happen very often. But the, the Lord was very clear that Gore was not to be president, and that so therefore George W. Bush was my president. I've, I've since perhaps had some regrets over that. Well, but, you were, but it doesn't mean that you were wrong. He no, yeah. the Lord, the, that was what the Lord wanted. It was very clear at that time. I'm like, okay. So I started to find out and realize with 9-11, with you know, conservative politics, with the, the direction the Democratic Party was, Democrat Party was heading in, um, you know, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> um, and so on and so forth. Having said that, Ken Paxton, um, there are three true impeachment articles facing Ken Paxton. He's a conservative firebrand. He began, they began his impeachment trial in the Texas Senate earlier this morning. We just heard a clip from it. Okay, they went after this guy with no evidence. We just said they said this guy. We think this guy is a bad guy, and we want you to investigate him to the FBI. Come to find out, the reason why they went 
was because of George P. Bush. A younger version of my of the ex president. Paxton has been a royal pain in the ass to the, the Texas Republican machine, which remains deeply influenced by big oil and neocon money, as well as the Bush political dynasty. Americans, including Texas, Texans hate political dynasties, and this fact was well demonstrated when Paxton defeated George P. Bush for the attorney general nomination in 2022 in a blowout exceeding a... Yeah, George P. Bush used to be the land commissioner, the Texas land commissioner when I lived there. You yes. know, he was the Texas land commissioner. Yes, the Bushes are, were, okay? Right now, as we speak, there isn't a Bush in political office for the first time in 30 years. Right. Um, so... It turns out when he started going after their sacred cows in Texas, the Bush family got, got in this guy's shorts. And, and, and I'm telling you, uh, definitely, this is the Bushes getting this guy. Okay. So I just wanted to start there with this idea that going after political enemies using the court system is, is is starting to be a common everyday occurrence, and our, you know our country is in grave danger when this when this stuff starts to happen. Now keep in mind, I'm sure it's been going on for a while, but it's blatant now. This guy got I, up on the witness, witness stand and said, "No, we didn't have any evidence." I mean, he he went at the guy and said, "Look, you went to the FBI without evidence, and they started an investigation." This guy now we're in an impeachment hearing. No. That's not how our country runs. Okay, now for some good news. I want everyone to make sure you're sitting down and hold on to your hats and your chairs. I don't know if you can, John Michael, because you're up cruising around. But did you know that the WHO now admits that asymptomatic transmission of COVID-19 is very rare? The claims of asymptomatic transmission was a major justification for social distancing, the lockdowns, and masks. Everything about COVID-19 hysteria has been a lie. So we were discussing this earlier in the show. I'm sorry, how I they're trying down. To... Hold on. Did you just fall over? Yeah. In a faint? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I would like for you guys to go back with me to 2020, to March of 2020. When we were listening we to those to. predictions, yeah, I know. Okay, here we are again, 2020. Listening to the predictions of how almost like a third of the world's population was going to die from COVID, the millions, up to a billion people, could die from this, and <clears throat> it was asymptomatic transmission. People who didn't know they had the virus could transmit the virus before they started having symptoms. They scared the daylights out of the entire planet, had us huddling in our homes, bewildered, sad. We shut down the strongest economy in the last half century. And we all went home and stopped our jobs. The whole world came to a stop. Because of these words right here, asymptomatic transmission. That time they were telling us the mortality rate, even though they were fudging the numbers, was in the, the these very high percentiles, the, the risk 
of mortality. They locked our old people down. They prevented us from going to the beach, from going outside. They were arresting people. Tyranny. And all because of these two words, and I remember thinking, you know, a few weeks later, asymptomatic transmission. Well, now, how in the heck is that possible? It's how does not. Someone, if, well, you know, like that kind of came to me, Danielle. But I remember th- when it when I kind of got unbefuddled, I was like, they're freaking lying. Right. They're and lying. then and then people come people come back at you and say. Um, well, yes, it has. What about typhoid, Mary? Well, typhoid is a bacteria. People don't understand. Like, people just throw these things out there. They've got no idea what they're talking yes. about. Yes, and yes. It, but it sounds good to them because it goes with and, confirmation bias. And shut up because you're trying to kill my grandma. Do you have a grandma? No, I don't have a grandma, but you would, you would try to kill them if I oh, had you one. You would try to kill her if I did. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad we're talking about COVID because I have a funny story. Um, if you guys don't mind me interrupting, I'm so sorry. No, that's Please fine. Do um, and, yeah, don't mind, don't mind a bit. Tell us. Okay, so me and Danielle were talking the other day. Remember, Danielle, when I was at the store and I was talking to you at the store? Um, and we were, yeah. we were just being our typical selves because most, I mean, me and Danielle's conversations kind of go like my conversations with y'all on here. I'm very, we're very sarcastic. We're very funny. We laugh, you know, and of course I was, we were talking about COVID and about how the masks don't work. The CDC right. said the masks don't work. The yeah. shots don't work. The masks don't work. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, nothing that we've done has actually been effective. And what was from the beginning, what Danielle said from the beginning, that herd immunity was going to be the thing that eventually you know, got us clear of it, right? And it was so hilarious because I got off the phone with Danielle and there was a woman in front of me at the store and she overheard a good chunk of the conversation. And of course I was laughing and I kept telling Danielle, you know, I'm just fucking with you. You know, and Danielle's laughing, we're laughing. And I was just being, you know, being my typical obnoxious self, saying sarcastic things in a deadpan voice. And um, of course the lady is in front of me and she's talking to the cashier and they're they remarked on how Danielle and I were just, I mean, they did it in a very shady way, but it was, uh, I just, you know, some people just don't understand that. And meanwhile, right, where none of us are wearing masks, none of us are social distancing, but the mere fact that we were talking about about it, like it wasn't the end-all, be-all threat to everyone's existence was enough for them to literally, like, try to shame me. And it was so funny because I'm like, none of us is wearing masks right now. We're not social distancing. You guys aren't drinking hand sanitizer like you fuckers were when it all first started. Exactly. But you're mad that I'm pointing out the facts that I didn't say it. The CDC said it. I didn't say that shit. I, you know what I mean? It's like, they, it's like this uh, cognitive dissonance that people have right now about everything. And Still. it's ironic. Still Hello. to this day. To this day. Yeah, and they were upset. Right, right. I forgot to tell Danielle about it, but it was it was so funny because I was like, I could have I could have understood, I guess, if they had their masks on, if if they were like very afraid still. But it was like they didn't have their masks on. But just the mere fact that I would dare suggest that the CDC would say something like that, and it's like, really? <laughs> okay, I mean, I so can... so th- that was the, one of the biggest problems was because <clears throat> they would say that stuff. And then even censor themselves, we weren't allowed to share that information. We weren't allowed to talk about that information. They would take our accounts down. We were censored. 
beyond belief. That's why those people still don't know that stuff, okay? To this day, there's people that don't know that asymptomatic spread wasn't a thing, that masks don't work. So that was why when Danielle started this today, when we first got on here, when Fauci was on CNN and they finally started asking him the question about eight studies, eight studies that have been published in in medical journals that masks do not work. He goes, well, they work on an individual level. Yeah, yeah so I have the, <laughs> Play it. Okay, um, hold on one sec. Um, let me find it. Um, uh, this is actually I'm getting... fired up. I'm tired and I'm grumpy and I'm fired up this afternoon because I they're trying to do it again. And we're not going to no. put up with it. Ask Joanne. Joanne, are we going to put up with it? Fuck no. There you go. That's, that, that, that's right. We're not like doing it this time. They know is a complete sentence by itself, but no. But, yeah. But but fuck no is even better. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I found okay. it. So here we go. Um, three, two, one. So Dr. Fauci went on CNN, and I bet he didn't expect to get pushback. I bet Dr. Fauci didn't expect that he was actually going to be confronted with actual science instead of the, the BS that he spews every time he's talking. So yeah. Dr. Fauci is the biggest liar from COVID. There's no bigger liar than Dr. Fauci. He lied about gain of function. He lied about funding gain of function, which gave us the virus. He lied about where the virus came from, and he called you a white supremacist. I, I, how, how does Cornell not see that they, that's what they do? They call anybody who goes against the establishment now a white supremacist. That's what they did if you said that the virus came from the Wuhan lab, which is where it came from, and it was funded by Dr. Fauci. He funded the research that gave us that virus, which means if you believe COVID killed millions and millions of people, he's a mass murderer on the level of Hitler. Unless you don't believe in science. So... So here he is, and he's confronted by Michael Smirkanish of all people. Michael Smirkanish. You did not see that coming. Smirkanish of all people bringing up real things. I want to say tip of the hat to Michael Smirkanish. Yeah. Great job he does here. Great job, Michael Smirkanish, who I normally uh, don't agree with. But uh, here we are. I'll join with anybody to do good and nobody to do bad. I mean, normally I say I have to take a Smirconish in the morning, but I'm going to hold off on one day for this great job you did. So watch this. On the screen, the most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? So, by the way, that's not just any review. That's the gold standard of medical reviews and the guy who did that review is the top guy in a world doing those kind of studies so that's it's over 
There is no medical evidence that masks work to stop an airborne virus like COVID. There is, there never was before COVID, which is why Fauci and Rachel Maddow and everybody told you not to wear masks. And then Fauci said he lied when he told you not to wear masks. So he's already an admitted liar. But the lie was the second time when he told you masks work to stop uh, the airborne virus. They don't. Not even New York Times. Not even the New York Times was hiding this. That's right. That was in the New York Times, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that means the jig is up now in Canada. They got people protesting, putting masks back on in Vancouver. So they're getting different news, I guess. But it's not science. And so yeah. here, here, Dr. Fauci, watch what he says back to this. So he just presents him with incontrovertible evidence from the gold standard of, of studies with the number one study guy in a world doing this. And what does Dr. Fauci say back? Let's listen. Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. When you took at the broad population level, like the Cochrane study, the data are less firm with less regard firm. to the effect on the overall pandemic. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about an individual's effect on their own safety. That's a bit different than the broad population level. What? So what he just said was gibberish. So what he's saying is, yes, masks don't work to stop the virus and the population level, but they do on the individual level. I have to ponder that. Uh, I guess it's like asking if God could make a rock so big, even he can't lift it. It's not supposed to make sense. It's just supposed to make you not think. That's what that is. So freaking lame. This is nonsense. So this is from this doctor. He says, Kevin Bass, he says, this is nonsense. And here's why. To do science on masks. You have a mass group and an unmasked group. You compare the rate of infection in each group. This is called a randomized trial. This is how science is done. Yeah, this is the most actually rigorous yes. trial where they, I think they actually gave people, they didn't do it they, in America. Wait, hold on. Oh. That's another study. Yeah. If the rate of infection is the same between the masked and non-masked groups, then masks don't work. <laughs> That's this was what the studies on masks showed that there was no difference in the mass group and the unmasked group. What about individually, though? <laughs> you know how groups are made of individuals, but somehow that's a different thing. That's a, now, Kurt, there is simply no such thing as scientific studies showing that masks work at an individual level. There's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as that. He made that uh, up. Oh, I'm sorry. They test, anyway, Fauci either doesn't understand how science works or he is lying and making things up. It's the, it's the latter. <laughs> He's lying and making things up. It's yes. really that simple. Fauci is saying gobbledygook in order to keep the idea of masks alive. 
Well, I'm going to wait and I'm waiting to see what Sam Harris thinks before I make up my mind. <laughs> That's going to be the vile desire where <laughs> Sam Harris lands on this one. Um, why? Okay, okay. I'm going to stop it there because that. I mean, the, the yeah. clip was played, you know. But um, yeah. So <laughs> isn't that? I mean, what? Okay, there, so he, he lied through his teeth, and I have to tell you, so Michael Smirconish wasn't the only one that interviewed Fauci, and they, he came up with the same bullcrap answer. On an individual level, it's working, and people will tell you it's working, because what does that even mean? He's Isn't just that just making, anecdotal? It, didn't they just tell it's us called the anecdotal. It's that everything, everything that we said, well, I know this person got it and this person got it and they wore masks and, oh, that's anecdotal. You know, that's yeah, the way that uh, I got exactly. yelled at. Yelled, the other but, thing, you know, back to John Michael's point, okay, the other thing that they shoved down into the darkness was herd immunity. You weren't even allowed to say those words. Everyone uh. needed to get the vaccine because herd immunity was is was a made up thing. They shaped their face on national television to look at thinking sentient grown ass adults educated in the, the the greatest country in the world our educational system isn't that great anymore, but they looked at grown adults. I was going to say, are we the greatest country in the world, though? I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> are we? I don't know. Things are looking kind of rough. I'm talking about, oh, let me rephrase. The humans that inhabit, most of the humans that inhabit this country are the greatest in the world. We are amazing. We're incredible. We are loving. We are kind. There's a bunch of evil. Are we, though? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. You can argue with me if you want to, but I believe that. Okay. Okay. Back to the good news report. And there is a lot of good news this week. Okay. Um, the, and this has been bubbling up for a while. And, um, okay. I have to admit, I was one of those... Um, what was it, Danielle, that when Sidney Powell was going to release the Kraken, right? Yeah. Right after the 2020 election, I was one of those ones posting on Facebook. As a matter of fact, my account on Twitter got taken down the same day as the President of the United States and Michael J. Flynn because I was howling that there was fraud in the 2020 election and we kept posting stuff to show that there was fraud in the 2020 election and we were silenced. We're talking two million accounts got taken down. The Great Purge is what it's what it was called, and mine was one of them because I was a firebrand on Twitter. <clears throat> In particular, we were howling about three states, four states: Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and um, Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Arizona. And well, oh, Arizona, too. and Wisconsin and Arizona. <clears throat> There's an incredible news organization, which is, again, so all these people stopped watching the news. We even turned off Fox, even us Fox people, and we started reading and paying attention. And all this time, there's been a guy from an organization called the Gateway Pundit. If you don't follow them, you should right now. Okay? You should get all of your news from the Gateway Pundit. They found the fraud. 
in Michigan. Um, and they, um, I'm sorry, I'm looking for the article. I have about six of them. Um, well, let me just they, say, while you look, while you look for that, um, and Michigan is also one of those states that is trying to keep Trump off the ballot. Yes. Okay. Because they know what's coming. So last week we reported about a whistleblower who shared a Facebook page Michigan clerks used to discuss issues they faced related to elections. The conversations we found between city and county clerks, and in at least one case a top election official working for MISOS Jocelyn Benson, appear to be very telling of how Michigan's dishonest Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson really runs her elections. On August 1st, 2020, only three days before the August 4th primary election in Michigan, a Michigan City clerk asked fellow clerks if they were also getting, pay attention, last-minute voter registrations from SOS Jocelyn Benson's Bureau of Elections. Question, and this is on a Facebook, they have a, a group, <laughs> and they have all of them. Anyone else getting emails of last-minute voter registrations from the Bureau of Elections? I have to wonder what's going on. I received one today, and the only information on the voter registration was an address. Nothing else. No date, no name, no signature. Absolutely nothing but an address. What did they expect me to do with it, and why bother sending it? 34 of them at 10 p.m. on Friday. Most dated back to mid-July and early June. Yet we as clerks are expected to respond to requests within 24 hours of receiving them? Smack my head. Me too. Four of them dated back in early July. So we have deadlines, but the Secretary of State doesn't? One clerk responded, yep, dating back until June 18th. Last one was sent at 1.12 a.m. They have dozens and dozens and dozens. Another one, they're posting back and forth in this Facebook post. Today I was hopeful that the rest of our PPE supplies had finally arrived for tomorrow for the election, the, the, uh, <clears throat> the primaries. Instead, we received 185 voter registration applications, many dates in June. They were in several envelopes labeled masks. But when we opened, they are registrations. I don't know if I'm just numb in shock or just getting used to the new election now, day before the election. And it goes on and on and on. There's a whistleblower in the state of Michigan. And remember, there were, there were hundreds of people that signed affidavits. Okay. So I'll go back to um, my good news report from um, a couple of weeks ago where I said, I'm glad Donald Trump has been indicted. I'm glad because now all of that election um, evidence that we were not allowed to see or hear and, and remember, you've got people all over the country talking heads saying, well, they lost every, every single one of those. No, they didn't. There was no evidence heard in any of those court cases. Every single one of them got knocked down procedurally. We're finally going to get to hear the evidence. And here's more. Arizona House Speaker's brother buys majority interest in runback election services. Hmm. And there's more. The Georgia election, okay? 
Georgia State Election Board member Matt Mashburn attempted to address accusations of election fraud in the 2020 election in his public statements in a meeting in November. He omitted key items and skimmed over other items, all in what appeared to be an effort to cover up the real issue, which were those videotapes. We have them on tape stuffing ballots in Georgia. It's all coming. Funny that Georgia was one of the states that indicted him, perhaps because they know what's coming. Okay? And let's see. Um, Yeah, we have the videotapes. So here's the problem. And this is the good news. (laughs) Apparently, they just had a primary in the state of, um, oh, my God. My brain isn't working. Uh, What state is this? Supervisor, uh, the Democrats are accusing the Democrats of cheating in a primary. Hines County Supervisor David Archie accused his Democrat opponent of cheating during the recent primary election for county supervisor. Archie held a press conference where he announced that he now has videotape of the county Democratic Party chairwoman Jackie Amos bringing in thumb drives, sound familiar, thumb drives and ballots into the counting room and inserting them into the ES&S machines. So we have a Democrat county supervisor in Hines, Mississippi. He's challenging his, the primary election results. They have all of it. Only this time, it's Democrat on Democrat crime. And they're going to pay close attention to what happened in Mississippi. So that I have a, that's a very good news, short news report today. But the, the good news is that even though um, things look, are, look kind of rough and feel kind of rough here recently, we haven't stopped. None of us have stopped. Um, and, and we're not going to. We're going to continue until the truth comes out. And it looks like that, that. And that's the reason why Donald Trump was indicted. And OK, the kind of mad, sad news is that it's very likely that he will be convicted in the D.C. case. The documents case. Uh, th- that's yes. a pretty like, well, I mean, if they can't get it moved. They're not going to get it moved. So so it's very likely he will be convicted. The good news, I believe, is that it, will, it definitely will be overturned on appeal to the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's true. But, but in the meantime, it will be – and that's why they're rushing up these indictments. They want to do it before the primaries. They want to they try to ram these through. It's going to be a D.C. jury – picked exclu- in a federal court picked exclusively with a, a judge that they handpicked. Her name is Chutkin, and she's a wicked, wicked human being. Um, there, so the, the, the D.C. case, it is, there's, it's twofold. It's the document case, and it's this, they haven't used the word sedition, but um, fomenting rebellion, right, on, the, on January 6th. And it's very likely that he will be convicted on those charges, which is not great news. But I just think that it will it will cause us to finally break faith with the FBI and with with the D.C. court system. I don't I don't understand how they can even look at the information to 
Like, how do you present that to a jury? Like, how, how do you present classified documents to a jury? Like, do you have to give them top secret security clearance so that they can read them? It's like, there, there's reasons that there's, you know, um, you know, constitutional um, legal uh, professors out there sitting in, in coffee rooms doing, you know, getting on a whiteboard and trying to, you know, basically present legal theory because this stuff doesn't happen. I mean, we, it, it's anyway, going to be, so I don't know how they be, could even do it. Okay. So it, it's, it's a, re, that's a really great legal question. And all of those are going to, to go in front of the Supreme court because what they here's the thing. We all know that what they have, what they have charged him with, he was allowed to do. And as far right. as the insurrection, we know better. He was not even there, and he told them to peacefully go to the Capitol. That's the people's house. The Supreme Court is going to overturn that as well. But yeah, they, they don't care. You know, and so, yeah, and so why are we not charging um, you know, the previous Twitter board um, with sedition for taking down that tweet that said to do it peacefully? Like, uh, didn't they incite the, you know, the, the, um, the Capitol breach if they took down a post? Yeah, like this is, I mean, okay, that's what I'm so saying. It's just so like, <coughs> I feel like this is like unicorn gymnastics. Like, like it, it <laughs> is unicorn gymnastics, but but just like I say every week, and we know, and you already said it today, I read the end of the book and God wins. And um, it, we're just going through a trial right now, and some good things are happening, some really crazy things are happening, some really scary things are happening, some th- really maddening things are occurring. Can I just I know that. that – yep, go ahead. I think that God doesn't always want us to know the how because then it doesn't make it amazing. Exactly. Oh, we just get to go – we get to look and go, wow, look at how we pulled it off. I yeah. know. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be rough. But but in the meantime, all the stuff that they've been censoring is going to come out. All of this has, has been about waking up the American people to mm-hmm. to who and what we're dealing with, these demons. Mm-hmm. So I we're going to have – Go ahead. I remember um, deciding to stop trying to figure out the how and get the, the the logical sense of it, because then that was sort of like the kid who found the hidden Christmas gifts and already knew what they were going to get on Christmas Day and kind of ruining it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so, so I'm waiting to open the gifts. I'm waiting to be suitably impressed with, with God's sovereignty and his power. And his love. I'm I, I'm prepared. It's gonna be we're gonna we're in for a bit of a bumpy road though. Yeah. Well, roller coasters are a whole lot of fun. They, can, they sure they are. Can be, they can be pretty fun. And hey, Mom, um, so before hold. Before you go to bed, can you yeah. take some pictures of the chicken coop? I want to see the progress since we left. Of course, I'm going down there to take pictures. I will post them in Seeds of Change. Yay. Yay. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you all next week, okay? I so enjoyed it. I love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, Joanne. I appreciate that. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Bye, John Michael. She is going to have to step up her good news game a little bit, though, because she does a whole lot of bad news and kind of tries to dress (laughs) it up as 
Hey, all you got to do, though, Danielle, is just remember that that Bible verse that we referenced earlier is God knows knows their plan and he's just going to flip it. Absolutely. And we um, we actually um, started naming when she goes off on on sad tangents. We call that segment. Everything is stupid. Please be proud of me for just a moment that I did not interject on the whole conversation regarding viruses and all the scientific studies because uh, I think you know, Danielle, where my position is on viruses and even the discussion of Yes, absolutely. I don't know what that was, but. No, you have to be afraid or it's not working. Well, there's no such thing as a virus. Like it's, um, there's a lot of doctors that are not even being seen by truthers. And that's why it keeps this whole discussion alive. It, like um, the the fact that folks are not aware yet that the idea of virus was even a psychological operation by Pasteur way back, I don't know, 1910, 1920, whenever that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, wasn't that, okay, so he, I, I think I remember it, uh, they were in a smallpox um, epidemic. And there were so many people coming in and um, working 24 hours a day, and he, um, they were kind of like trying to figure out a way to stop it, right? And he goes, he goes out into the waiting room um, of a clinic, and he starts talking, to, or, and a, a, an old lady starts talking to him, or an old man maybe, um, starts talking to him and uh, saying, oh, are you scared of this, um, of the smallpox? And um, he goes, no, the, the farmer goes, no, I'm not scared because I already had cowpox, so I know I'm not going to get it. And that was like the light bulb moment where if you mm-hmm. j- inject a lesser of the virus, a, a different form of the virus, that it would be. But then again, that, you know, if, it's a, if, if it was truly a psychological operation, they just needed to come up with a, um, a, an idea that people could understand that um, – you know, so that so that they can understand it, and then and then and be able to then give consent to be injected with who knows what. Right. Yeah. So the the concept of viruses is as if we catch things from one another, and it's a one hundred percent. I don't know if that's John Michael. John Michael, you got a lot of background noise, brother. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. We love you. <laughs> um. So, yes, um, my favorite go-to resource on that one is Dr. Tom Cowan. I, I came across him, I want to say it was May of 2020, so I was able to, you know, speak from, I suppose, a place of logic um, in comprehending that it's really just our body getting rid of the dead cells because, you know, our, our, our body needs to get rid of the old stuff as it duplicates cells. Yeah. And, um, you know, our old cells die off because of toxins that we breathe and eat and yada, 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 and drink water, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, And even even if people were eating the cleanest and um, drinking the cleanest and breathing the cleanest air, the one one of the main things about humanity is um, they don't have the cleanest thinking. And I think that infects ourselves um, and causes ourselves to to die off and, and not work at the optimal um, way that God designed it. Anyway, so he, right. he talks about how it's really exosomes. So it's really just the, the dead 
DNA, the dead cells leaving our body. They're exiting our biological sphere and it's exosomes, really. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, I actually just found out recently that um, that you can't see um, a, a virus under a microscope. <laughs> Using an electron microscope, you can see its shadow. Interesting. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I've always believed in viruses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but when I, when I learned that, I was like, I mean, not, that, I mean, knowing that, like, what is it called? The terrain, you know, terrain theory terrain. versus, yeah. And you kind of explained this to me a little bit. Um, so I've been kind of marinating on that since we talked about it, gosh, maybe a year ago. Um, and then when I recently found out that you can't, you can only see its shadow under like the highest powered microscope, I was like, hmm, what's that all about? You know? So, I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I can, I can almost get behind it. I'm still, you know, I'm still thinking, um, probably thinking too much, but you're probably right. Well, here's what I know to be true is if I hadn't started my spiritual walk prior to COVID, I would have been just as much of a sheeple as everyone else. But I was the thing that people would would argue with me about for the first, I don't know, three to six months on Facebook, like March to September of 2020. And then I just and I I didn't really bait them or, or try to be argumentative with them. I just was sharing what I was sure to be true and um, I wouldn't post it if I wasn't certain and I wasn't doing anything to look up sciencey type things I was like look spirit always knows before science that's just the way that it works science has to do like all this study to get evidence and you know have uh, see what variables could have accounted for different results but spirit just always knows the answer instantaneously so that's what I went with. I was like, no, I don't, I don't feel it in my body that there's anything to be afraid of. I don't feel it in my body that I'm going to catch something from anyone else. And sure enough, by following spirit, instead of worrying about any of the logical science, I was then provided the evidence to back up what I was trusting spirit telling me. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the way God wants it. God wants us to go by faith with, you know, not, not by sight. He's like, I'm giving it to you. I'm, okay, I'm period. You okay, period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's still something I, I think the mass consciousness is um, um, working on their faith and whatever whatever that faith is for them. Yeah, agreed. John Michael, you have anything to add? Oh, no, I was just, you know, I was just contributing. I'm sorry that I have a lot of background noise. That's why I keep muting myself. But, no, that's um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's the football games on at the shelter. So, you know, but, you know, here at the shelter, I will just tell you that they're making us wear masks inside, even though, because there was an outbreak here. I missed it, thank, praise the Lord, because I was house-sitting, so I wasn't here for 27 days. And I came back at the very tail end of the outbreak where everyone was getting better and testing negative sort of thing, so I didn't have to be around it, but they're still making us wear masks, even though it's been pointed out, and it's like, it's, to me, it's just like, this is ridiculous, and, you know, unfortunately, I have to put up with it because I don't have an option right now, but it is, you know, it's just so ridiculous. It's getting to the point where, you know, they're, they're hard to breathe in, 
You're breathing in your own freaking sweat. I wear glasses, so my glasses get fogged up. But I totally agree with what Joanne was saying about the, you know, the facing. Because I've been saying for a few years now, I can't get COVID. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't get COVID, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Because in my reading of the book of Revelation, it says that the, the sealed, the people of God are sealed, right? Meaning that they are, and it says specifically, before you harm anything, seal the children of God. Seal my children. And they were given a seal, right? So, for me, it's like, we're sealed against that stuff, right? And I mean, and I thought maybe I had it a couple of weeks ago. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But I, I keep saying I can't get COVID. And all the times that I've been sick over the last three years, which is not a lot, to be honest, I think it's actually less than I would usually have gotten sick in a, in a uh, normal cycle. But I think it has to do with that faith speaking, right? That speaking into my, I'm not sick. I don't know what you're talking about. I just have a little cough. I'm not sick. It's allergies. I'm not sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't get mm-hmm. COVID, right? I don't know what you're talking about. I can't get COVID. And I think that has a lot to do with it. So I totally agree with your logic on the faith thinking part of things and the faith speaking because we are what we speak. The power of life and death is in the tongue, right? Yeah. And James says that you have the, the tongue has the power to burn down your life. And we have a lot of people burning down their lives mm-hmm. by saying they're, that they think that they're going to die from COVID. And they, you know what I mean? They're speaking that in their lives and they're speaking that over themselves. And I just encourage both of you to keep doing what Joanne's saying because that's what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I love it. Period. Is there can you get um, a mental health exemption? Can you, I mean, is there any way you can get an exemption? Uh, John Michael, can I can I ask you? Are are you local in San Diego? Am I where? Local in San Diego? No, I'm actually in Bakersfield. Oh, I was gonna say I just come down there. <laughs> Oh, hold on. Let me step outside because they're watching football in here, and so the boy, the men are all getting hyped up. Let me step outside so I can hear you better. What was that? I said, oh, I would just come down, and I would just pretend that I needed shelter, and, you know, I just would give them a run for their money on the whole nonsense. Because, <laughs> you know, they can't oh, legally, even in their, you know, crappy legal system, like, they actually can't turn people away. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I'm in Bakersfield, so I'm like four hours north of y'all. So mm-hmm. are you in San Diego? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you need to add me on Facebook so that we can okay. continue a conversation because Danielle okay. and I started talking about something, and, and uh, I would love to be your friend on Facebook. All right. I, I Sometimes I challenge people even on my page, and Danielle knows that. Oh, no, I yeah. love it. Yeah. No, I love that. I don't like having friends that think the same as me. What is the point of having friends that think the same as you to establish an echo chamber for your own thoughts and your own, you know what I mean? No. Um, I would rather be friends with someone who agrees with me once in a while and posts things that do challenge my way of thinking. And, you know, I, we, I mean, even Danielle, Danielle and I have been friends for gosh, what Danielle five years now. And, Mm-hmm. You know, I don't agree with everything that Danielle says, and I don't agree with everything, you know, Carla says or Elizabeth. I don't agree with everything that all of them say, but I love them. And at the end of the day, like, it sounds like you're a believer, right? So you've already mm-hmm. said that you're a believer. I heard that. So you're my sister mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. You know what I'm saying? So, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if we agree on everything or not because we agree on the thing that's most important. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Just like just like siblings in a family, you're not going to do life the same way, but you came from the same family. So, damn it, you're going to love each other. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And there's not enough thinking like that, right? There's not enough thinking like that nowadays. And, you know, I even see it. I'm in, I'm in a 
a few apologetic groups on Facebook, like Christian apologetic groups, and you see these people fighting over doctrine and fighting over this and fighting over that, and it's like, you know we're all in the same family, right? Like, <laughs> we're, all, we're all in the same family. You're telling people they're not really a believer, and you're not really this, and you're not, if you don't believe this, and you're not going here, and it's, it, it gets messy, and, like, it's crazy to think about, because, I, I mean, I don't, I'll share this with you, because you and I are just talking for the first time, I think, um, but... I spent two years in jail. So coming out after being in jail for two years and seeing how much the world has changed is like a huge shock, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Seeing how, you know, it was already bad when I went in, but it's like, it's gotten so much worse. Like seeing that the way, the way that people treat one another and um, seeing the things that are going on and not being spiritually blind and watching people who are, um, who just can't seem to figure out what the answer is, and you're like, it's pretty simple. The answer is pretty simple. It's something you know. It's just some. It's someone you know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we should definitely be friends, and definitely challenge me. I love it. I always have room for more friends. Yeah. All right. So, what's our next topic of conversation? Um, nine eleven. Anyone? <laughs> All right. I don't know if you'll recall this, um, Danielle. There was not too long ago I posted something about that ten is a fake number, and I, I don't know when the collective consciousness will be ready to comprehend that fact, and it, it will be a little bit too hard for me to articulate. I am able to explain it visually more than I can verbally. Just mark my words, and. 9-11 was one of God's ways of showing us that the number 10 is part of the false matrix. I'm sorry, say that last part again. I said that 9-11 was one of God's ways of utilizing what was evil for good. It's to show us that um, the number 10 is part of the false matrix. Because the number zero is, it represents zero, it represents nothingness. So it can't be a placeholder to utilize counting and metrics and 10 backwards is net so that's another indicator is to net people and keep them entrapped in karmic loops it is so ironic that you said what you just said about god using evil because literally this morning as i was walking to the store and i was talking with him he pointed out to me and said to me I know Carla said earlier, like, he doesn't always talk to her, and I, I feel like he talks to me pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said to me earlier, I always use evil to turn into good. And I was like, you know, I did the whole, but what about, and he was like, I always mm-hmm. use evil to bring about good. And he repeated himself, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay. He, and it's like, I had to think about it, and I watched, you know, I watched the Bible Project video on the book of Job, and I was um, uh, thinking about it, and and it's just funny that you say that, because he literally told me that this morning. He's like, I always use evil to bring about good, always. Gosh, I love that so much, um, because if you want to challenge God, God will, like, be like, shut up, listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. that's what he does in Job, right? He does that in Job. He shows up in Job because Job's like, if I could talk to God face to face, I would tell him blah, 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 blah. And God's like, you rang. <laughs> but he doesn't just show up and like, he doesn't just show up like, you know, he shows up like in a whirlwind and lightning and thunder, right? And he's like, you, you called and I'm here. So what do you have to say now, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people right now, um, at least what I see, and I always tend to turn our conversations, I'm either like an asshole and joking around or I go really like deeply like spiritual. But for mm-hmm. me, what I see happening in the world right now is like a clear division, not just between like Democrats and Republicans or um, anti-abortion people and abortion people. The true division that I see in the world right now is from the people who know God and the people who don't want to. And the people who are not sure are getting caught in the middle. And it's crazy because the people who know God, who know Jesus specifically, are getting pulled more and more toward, closer to him, right? We're getting more and more convicted of the things that we're doing wrong. We're getting more and more, um, more and more correction about the behaviors that we're displaying that are not in line with who he is, right? And the people who do not know him and don't, that have already made that, or for that lack of a better word, um, have already made their choice and are not they're not savable anymore because they're never going to change. And I don't like saying that at all, but their hearts have become so hardened and their behaviors are beginning to follow as well. Because some of the people that I've seen that do not know God are, their behaviors are getting even like, it's like, you really think that's okay? Like whether or not you know God or not, do you really think that's okay? And, yeah. Like um, abortion in do. nine months. It's like, it's not a Christian thing to be like, Ooh, Really, as it's crowning, you're cool with that, you know? Yeah, definitely a lot of division for sure. But we have to just remember who the real enemy is, you know? And that's what I am trying to encourage people right now. Like, remember who the real enemy is, right? Absolutely. So speaking of okay. challenging – oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So speaking of challenging thoughts, um, can I offer you another way, another perspective that was shown to me? Uh, and it's not like I heard it anywhere else. I, it came to me from spirit. Is that so in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people were saying like the division and the bifurcation. And I was like, there's something off about that because it still like has a derivative of fear in it. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. a lot of folks who are, you know, very close to God and have family members who are maybe not. And, of course, that would be an excellent way to cause people to be divided. Um, So what I got as an analogy of what really is happening is the division occurred a long time ago. I don't know if it's necessary for us to even, like, figure out where in time the division began. Um, But what's really happening is, like, when they're working on getting um, freeway lanes built, and they, they merge the five lanes down to one lane because they're working on the expansion of all those other lanes. And right. it's a big fucking pain in the ass when we all are merging into one lane. So that's what's actually happening. The division began a way long time ago, but we're now figuring out how to come together. And unfortunately, sometimes it's a slow, painstaking process where people do flip each other off and beep their horns and won't let someone merge in front of them, yada, yada, yada. Um, But that's actually what's happening. And I know that the whole bifurcation um, new age message that was going around on YouTube in 2020 was like a total psychological operation. I was like, yeah, no, that's not even the case at all. Yep. Um, Yeah. Well, I do okay. have to run. It was so nice chatting with you ladies. I do have to go. Okay. We love you. I love you. I love you so much. Bye. Please add me on Facebook, Joanne. Let's be friends. All right. We're yeah. going to totally be buddies. Okay. I'll send you a screenshot of his, of his profile. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. 
Okay, so I want to try something. Um, mm-hmm. If you do, you have access to the um, the group chat, the Seeds of Change Facebook chat on my phone, but not my computer. Okay, all right. Do you have your phone with you? Mm-hmm. Okay, can you look and there's? I just posted a link. Let's see. Ah, the chicken coop. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. The 9-11 conspiracy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'd like to um, have you start that video. It's only it's five minutes um, because it is better watched, but I'm going to play the audio. Okay. Um, so I'll and mute myself I think, here and I'll watch. Yeah, perfect. And then, all right. So, so let me actually let me know when you've got it pulled up. Yep. 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 Okay. Perfect. So um, then put it back to zero and then um, mute yourself and I'll say three, two, one and push play. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, play. men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine and live with pink haired strippers managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them and the evidence literally fell into the fbi's lap that a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the world trade center crash site if you can believe that but for some reason a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on american soil in history that investigation was delayed underfunded set up to fail a conflict of interest and a cover-up from start to finish it was based on testimony extracted through torture the records of which were destroyed it failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because the way our government at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes into buildings, except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. 
The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media, which told you the hard truths about... His head could be seen to move violently forward. And... They took the babies out of the incubators. And... Mobile production facilities. And... The rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing baby hater, and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because ignorance is strength. Okay, so comments, questions? Okay, uh, my, my video wasn't exactly timed, so yeah, the um, interesting experience I had with 9-11 was I was in training to be a customer service representative at AT&T, which was at that time still technically Pacific Bell, and mm-hmm. I was in training, and I want to say training was 12 weeks long, so I wasn't even working on the phones yet. And I don't know how they called it, but, um, you know, people were saying, like, if at all possible, stay home because we don't know what's going on with our country. Like, you know, basically be afraid was the message being sold. And Mm -hmm. I called in to say, oh, you know, I just want to check that, you know, we're being told to stay home. And they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. You work for a telco company. You're essential. And I was like, well, I don't understand that because we're in training, so therefore, like, I'm not even able to be of service to anybody. They're like, no, but that's how it is when you work for public utilities. It's your essential. <laughs> so right. I already I already knew the whole shenanigans with COVID when they were selling that bullshit with the, um, you know, where essential. How people. Yes. Okay, so here's one of the interesting things is when I did arrive um, at, at the office for training that morning, everyone was like, Oh, sad and distraught. And I was just kind of pissed off that we were told to be there because we were essential. Right, <laughs> so right. I, um, can, I can you get have, a little closer to the microphone, yeah. please? 
Is that okay. better? Um, uh, I didn't. Yeah, that's better. How about, how about this? Is that better? So I didn't have the same um, emotional response that everyone else had, but I could see that I was taking it differently. And I thought, I'm, I'm just going to keep my mouth closed because everyone else clearly will think I'm weird if I am not bothered. So I'll just be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have any conspiracy theories running at that time, but I clearly was um, uh, immune to the hypnosis. Right. Yeah. And then later, I want to say, um, I think it was a mom, I don't know, maybe six to seven years after 9-11, mm-hmm. I had come across something on the internet that indicated that it was an inside job. And I don't, I don't, to me, it's not relevant, like what it really was. But that was the first notion of that it was an inside job. And so I was like, well, that's weird. And I was like, huh. And so when I say weird, I always kind of just mean it like curious. So I just yeah. read this article, it took me to, you know, a video or two. And then I shared it with my then husband. And he was like, don't even start with that conspiracy theory bullshit. And so I just like never talked about it again, but I was, I, I felt it in my body. I was like, no, there's something off about it. But I just was like, okay, well, I don't know anyone else in real life that even like wants to discuss this stuff. So what am I going to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, okay. So this is kind of weird. I, I kind of had, um, maybe it was like a you know a hindsight. I, I'm I'm understanding this. Maybe I kind of knew it at the time, but before 9/11, um, right after it was either right after um, Clinton left or right before he left. Right, so very very early on um, in the administration, or or possibly during the changeover of the administration. Right. Um, and I remember going and, and visiting my grandma at work downtown Carlsbad. She owned rest, um, a place called Sharon's Restaurant Equipment. And um, it was there in, like, the village of Carlsbad for, like, 30 years, right by the railroad track, right? Um, so I remember my grandma was on the phone um, dealing with a customer, and I stepped outside. And um, I saw a train coming, going south from Camp Pendleton. And it was like the longest train I, I had ever seen. And it was each car had two gigantic missiles on them. And they were slightly like, um, they were almost like diagonal, right? Like they were lean, like leaning forward. And mm-hmm. um, two of these gigantic missiles at a time. And it was the longest railroad car I'd ever seen. And I was like, what? this doesn't really make any sense. We're not at war. Like, why are, why are all of these missiles going out? And this was right, this was right before September 11th. So, because that was really early mm-hmm. on in the administration, or, you know, in the Bush administration, right? In mm-hmm. 2001. So, um, you know, I, I kind of had a little bit of a weird thing. Like, I knew it was like a war thing, Um you know, a reason to because of that. And I saw that go out before. 
September 11th. Like it was going somewhere strategic, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nobody was expecting it then, you know? Um, yeah. So, so you were given you were given a sign. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. It's like seared into my brain. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I didn't question that planes hit the building, buildings, that a plane went down in, um, in Pennsylvania and that a plane hit the Pentagon, right? Like those are, and now like I'm not saying that they were holograms or anything like that. I believe that something hit those buildings, but I don't think they were planes that hit the building. Or, or if they were planes, they were not the planes that they said they were. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I went way down the rabbit hole in this, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, starting with, with that, you know, what actually happened and it wasn't, you know, a collapse, you know, it was, um, yeah, I, those buildings were vaporized. That's a whole long story, you know, but I think that so there was not enough rubble for as many buildings went down. So we can say, so like, that's why I say like, it's, you know, people say controlled demolition, they mean it slightly different than what I'm, how I mean it, but it certainly was a, you know, a weapon that took it down, I think. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it took, a, you're right, it took a long, long time for people, for all of society, really, to be ready to look at it. Do you know um, if your ex-husband um, still believes that there's nothing to it and don't be, you know, won't look at any information? I'm not certain. I, I I just haven't brought it up again. It doesn't make any sense to bring it up. I I just it know doesn't. that I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. May, I was just curious if like he ever ever came around. Um. Well, guess what? Everyone's coming around on various topics. Whatever topic yeah. actually is important to them, then that's where they start to have their eyes opened. Like, uh, you know, for myself, it was being told no that I wouldn't have access to food got my fire going I was like well I'll be fucking damned if you're going to tell me that I'm not going to have access to food because and it's not like I put it all together right at that moment but having had food insecurity as a child so like everyone's going to have their um their catalyst probably that relates to something from childhood that will be the eye opener for them. And that's why we have to have all this various spaghetti thrown at the wall because it's going to be different for everyone. Right. But I do think that September 11th, and I, I kind of want to keep on that subject just because it is the anniversary basically mm-hmm. tomorrow's, you know, another anniversary. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think, more, you know, the further away we get from the actual incident, the more people will are able to, to look at it. We, we've actually had, you know, a generation of children who grew up, um, you know, post 9-11, right? And mm-hmm. so for those people, those children to be able to grow up and um, and want to research um, the abnormalities with the day from a perspective of somebody who didn't live through it, it's like um, kind of the same thing as the, G- uh, the um, JFK assassination, Everybody from that generation remembers where they were and what they were doing when they saw JFK get shot, right? Um, People were called crazy conspiracy theorists for questioning the official narrative, which had a whole lot of of, um, abnormalities in it, right? So now we can look at it. Now we've even got declassified information showing that those people were right to question it. 
Um, 9-11, there's still a big, there, there hasn't really been a lot of things uh, released about 9-11, but there, there is a whole lot of evidence that, that the government is, in, you know, is and was involved. So, um, well, because yeah, the government is the mafia. Right, exactly. And so, and I think, I think now, like, that there's enough people that, um, I guess, are politically um, aware to, to know that the government is corrupt, both sides now. Like, that's why, like, I mm-hmm. think this thing is almost over, because both sides are very aware um, that the government is, is corrupt. Now, do they think, do they know that the government is corrupt enough to kill 3,000 people and, and not bat an eye? You know, some people are. Some people, you know, I think a lot more well, are aware they, of that now. They, they are able to say that that's true if the people that were killed were some people outside of our country, mm-hmm. but not necessarily people that are of our country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and can you stick around for one more piece of, uh, for one mm-hmm. more audio clip? Okay. Because mm-hmm. this is kind of relevant, and I think this really explains um, what, it, you know, the the reasoning is that people still can't, even though there's so much stuff going on, um, right in your face evidence about, you know, what about Building 7? Building 7 didn't get hit by a by a plane. How did that go down? What, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so, and, and I believe the reason is the cognitive dissonance around the subject. And I'd like to play, there's, a, you know, a couple uh, therapists who get together on the subject of 9-11 um, and the cognitive dissonance around it. And I'd like to play it if you're, if you're game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, very good. So three, two, one. Most of us who have lived with the events of 9-11 have, as a result, experienced some kind of trauma. It can be very difficult to come to terms with what actually happened at the World Trade Center. In fact, someone told me recently, I wouldn't believe what you're telling me even if it were true. Our petition signers with psychological expertise have stepped forward to offer their insight. While this segment is clearly outside the knowledge base of the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, these experts in psychology highlight their valuable experience for us as to why this evidence can still be so difficult for people to accept. As we know, the horrors of what happened on 9-11 were televised all over the world, and they were televised, in fact, live. We witnessed the deaths of almost 3,000 of our fellow Americans. We know this had a very um, severe and traumatic impact on a large majority of the population. At this point, we have nine years of hard scientific evidence that disproves the government theory about what happened on September 11th, and yet people continue to be either oblivious to the fact that this information exists or completely resistant to looking at this information. So the question becomes why? Why is it that people have so much trouble hearing this information? From my work, I think we would be remiss not to look at the impact of trauma. Many people respond to these truths in a very deep way. Some have a visceral reaction like they've been punched in the stomach. 
to begin to accept the possibility that the government was involved is like opening Pandora's box. If you open the lid and peek in a little bit, it's, it, it's going to challenge some of your fundamental beliefs about the world. If we can think of our worldview as being sort of our mental and emotional home, I think all of us will do just about anything to defend our homes, to defend our families. And, and so I see that with people, and I saw that with myself when my brother tried to talk with me about it, of don't mess with me, don't mess with my home, don't mess with my comfort with how things are. About a week later, I read a lengthy article by Professor Griffin um, about why he believes the official account of 9-11 cannot be true. And it was a very well-researched article. It was in my office at the time. I sat there and I felt my stomach churning. I thought maybe I was going to be sick. And I leaped out of my chair and ran out the door and took a, a long walk around the block, around several blocks, um, and just broke down. I understand now that what was happening was my worldview about my government being in some way my protector, almost like a parent, had been dashed. And uh, it was like being cast out into the wilderness, I think is the closest way to describe that feeling. And I sobbed and I sobbed, felt like the ground had completely disappeared beneath my feet. And and I knew at some point during the walk that I knew that I was going to have to become active in educating other people about this, that, there was, that for me to retain any sense of integrity, I was going to have to take some action. I couldn't just let something like this go. When we hear information that contradicts our worldview, social psychologists call the resulting insecurity cognitive dissonance. For example, with 9-11, we have one cognition, which is what the official story of 9-11, what our government told us, what our media, media repeated to us over and over, that 19 Muslims attacked us. On the other hand, we have what scientists, researchers, architects, engineers are now beginning to tell us, which is that there is evidence that shows that the official story cannot be true. So now we've lost our sense of security. We are starting to feel vulnerable. Now we're confused. 9-11 Truth challenges the beliefs that our country protects us and keeps us safe and that America is the good guy. When your beliefs are challenged, fear and anxiety are created. In response to that, our psychological defenses kick in and they protect us from these emotions. Denial, which is probably the most primitive psychological defense, is the one most likely to kick in when our beliefs are challenged. And it's a very, very uncomfortable state to be in. And eventually, our mind shuts off. Just like when a computer is overloaded, our minds get overloaded. We can't handle it anymore, and we shut down. And what some of us will tend to do is deny the evidence that's coming our way and stick to the original story, the official story, and to try to regain our equilibrium in that way. Another thing we can do is decide to look at the conflicting evidence and be sincere and be open-minded and look at both sides of the issue and then make up our own mind about what reality is. Here are a few of those, of those spontaneous initial reactions to 
hearing the contradictory evidence about 9-11. I don't want to know the truth or I'd become too negative and psychologically go downhill. I'm not sure I want to know. If this is true, then up would be down and down would be up. My life would never be the same. They say, this is the way the world works. And I'm, I'm convinced this is the right way the world works. 9-11 doesn't fit into that paradigm. So I don't need to look at the evidence. Fran, I refuse to believe that that many Americans could be that satanically treasonous. Someone would have talked. But these are beliefs. They are not scientific facts. But these beliefs do keep us from looking at the empirical evidence. Whenever we say, I refuse to believe, we can be sure that the evidence that's coming our way is not bearable and that it's, going, it's conflicting with our worldview much too much. As I thought about all of these responses, I realized that what is common to every one of them is the emotion of fear. People are afraid of being ostracized, they're afraid of being alienated, they're afraid of being shunned, they're afraid of their lives being inconvenienced, they'd have to change their lives, they're afraid of being confused, they're afraid of psychological deterioration, they're afraid of feeling helpless and vulnerable. And they're afraid that they won't be able to handle the feelings that are coming up. None of us want to feel helpless and vulnerable. Healing comes through facing the truth, experiencing it, allowing the feelings to come in. We don't have to play the whole thing, but that, you know, um, I feel like a, like watching this as, as people who already get that they're, who already know that there, that there was some big problems with 9-11, that the official narrative could not be real. Um, I, I look at this video, you know, as a, you know, when I'm dealing with people who actually do believe it, and there are far and, you know, there are fewer and fewer as time gets, goes on, like I said. But I, I like, I mean, anyway, so that I like this, um, this audio because it's, uh, it really does show me how other people will react, refuse to believe. Like, that's an actual thing that people deal with in their heads is that they, they you said it earlier, that minds have a way of, of creating um, sickness, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to cognitive dissonance, it's like, what does that, is it, feeling those feelings are so, un, it's so uncomfortable that they mm-hmm. just willingly deny reality. Is that not mind-blowing? A hundred percent. That audio is really excellent. So please um, send it to me so I can share it um, because it was done really, really well. Um, Yeah, that was only the first five minutes. It does get better, but just for sake of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When she mentioned denial, I was like, oh, that's the first stage of grief. And so that's what people, like, grief is so hard on, because it's, it involves all three parts, the mind, body, and emotion. Like, it, yeah. it, it's, it weighs on you in all of those 
facets and that's yeah. why there's like such this, I think it's like the six or seven stages of grief. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the grieving of what you thought was your reality to lose touch with it is very hard on people. And fortunately, I mean, I do say fortunately, and I think that's hard for people to reconcile is that I, I had experienced a lot of death um, in my family growing up. And so I, was very comfortable with death and um so i i somehow had the ability to not have as much cognitive dissonance i'm not not saying that i don't ever have cognitive dissonance because i am human um but somehow i find a way to center myself to ask questions because asking questions helps you to manage feelings first of all that's one of the most excellent ways to uh, process emotions is to ask questions. Yes. Yes. Um, And it's very interesting how our society around these mass trauma um, events, Sandy Hook, um, Mm -hmm. 9-11, COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Fits right in there. Um, Asking questions is the first thing that's demonized. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you know, it's like, how dare you, it, like, in the, in, you know, uh, and uh, basically, how dare you, um, you know, degrade or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I, I guess, I, I don't, I don't even know what the word is, but, like, basically, you're, you're speaking ill of the dead. You're offensive to the dead. Right, like for mm-hmm. for bringing for asking questions, but I, you know, even when I believed Sandy Hook, and I saw some, uh, you know, abnormalities to it. When you ask questions, you are attacking the parents and the, you know, and the dead children. And it's like, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. If I was in that situation where I had children die at school, I would never stop asking questions. If I ever die and there are suspicious things around it around my death, I, I will not haunt you if you ask questions. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I want you to ask all point. of the questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, asking questions is, the, um, is all about curiosity. And the reason why we who do ask questions get demonized is because curiosity means that you will dissipate fear because they cannot coexist. As soon as you begin yes. asking questions, fear dies. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, and so that's, of course, the first thing that these, and that's another sign that these are staged. I'm not saying that they're, that they didn't happen. I'm not saying people didn't die. I know a lot of people died. So like, I, I, I'm not going to entertain anybody going on Facebook and saying that, well, you're saying that they're all staged. And so you think they didn't happen. No, that's not what I'm saying. I think that some things happened in, in a, you know, but I don't think that they match what, what actually happened does not match the official story in every one of these cases. Um, mm-hmm. And the first thing that they do with these psychological operations is, is say you mass psychological operations is, is outlaw questioning, right? Like we mm-hmm. actually had medical doctors in COVID lose their licenses for, for asking questions for le- like legit, like take a step mm-hmm. back and think, you know, we, we, they're practicing medicine and they can't, ask questions they're experts in their fields they can't ask questions that should make, get people to ask questions mm-hmm. yeah it, um, one of the 
things I don't remember the doctor's name that he died not that long ago, maybe two months ago. Um, mm. Someone someone that was kind of a big whistleblower in the whole movement with COVID. And um, okay. well, anyhow, I, there's like a part of me that is like, well, the the thing is, when folks stay in the industry, that they once they gain knowledge that their industry is um, illegitimate. They, mm-hmm. their, their invitation is to exit it. And sadly, not a lot of doctors have gotten the memo on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Do, I don't mean to laugh. Um, I left financial services because of that. Once I understood what the Black's Law Dictionary definition of license was, to uh, permission to do that, which would otherwise be illegal, um, I was like, oh, well, I, I, I think that that's wrong. I don't think that we should have a piece of paper that tells us to do something that otherwise is illegal. Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I did have to pray about it for a good six weeks so that I could have that leap of faith to leave. And it was during COVID. And so that, you know, was the impetus. Um, but, yeah, I was in the retirement industry. And I, I, I could not be in integrity and keep in the field. That would right. that would kill me inside. I had I went through something similar when I left the dental field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally get you. Um, and right. So and and especially when people put so much of their money and time and energy like retirement into um, their future, right? Like their um, there are these schemes, right? Like 401ks, you know, things like that that are supposed to get you, um, you know, keep you stable when you're old. Once you realize that it's the, the system won't be there for these people mm-hmm. and it can be taken away in a second. Like, look at, let's just look at what happened to people's 401ks during, during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have a 401k and that's, you know, I know that the system is collapsing, but the people who have, worked their entire lives and scrimped and saved and, and, you know, did without so that they could have things, you know, nice things when they're, you know, when they retire. Um, as the closer you get to retirement, the harder it would be to look at the evidence that are, that the system is completely corrupt, right? Because they put so much of their life into this plan that right. what do you do then? What do you do, you know? And so, they, so instead of asking the questions and, and, and knowing that you're right and then taking the steps, indicated steps that follow, they turn away from the information because so much of their life savings, literally like their life savings, um, is going into this scam system. And they, it's too much for them to comprehend and acknowledge. It's a denial thing. They'll yeah, never get denial. past denial. Because it's, it's, again, the cycle of grief. To lose anything, there's a grieving cycle. Right. But most, but there's a big, I guess my, my point is there's a big percentage of people right now, and, mm-hmm. and especially at a very subject by subject, uh, that will stay in that denial phase. The stages of grief, um, I guess, basically assumes that you're going to get past the grief and then on to the next, right? But there's a lot of people who don't ever get past that first stage. Well, the past does not predict the future. 
Yes, right, exactly. Old 3D, that's old 3D realm. We're now in the fourth dimension, which is meaning yes. that people are unthreading beliefs little by little at the pace that, that their soul is designed to. And we're all different because God's created us all yes. different. So mm-hmm. they, they are, they're going to maneuver out of it as they're capable. Yes, that's true. That is very true. And I have, I flash, we have been talking about this, this very subject for a long time of, you know, what happens after, um, you know, we were just talking about the currency collapse, right? And that's going to be the big one that a lot of people are going to, um, you know, not be prepared for, right? And so what we've been doing for the past, what, five, you know, five, six, probably a lot of people have been doing it a lot longer is preparing ourselves for, to survive outside of this system. Um, mm-hmm. And then I guess just help a, help a friend out. If you see somebody really struggling when the system collapses, you know, help them out as much as you can because mm-hmm. it's going to be harder for some than others. Um, like I said, we were kind of just halfway joking about, like, I'm looking forward to, not really halfway joking, pretty much all, all not joking at all, um, looking forward to the collapse of, of our, not economy, but our currency. The, you know, we can, we, we have the power of perspective to, to look at it a different way and use our currency, our collective currency to survive mm-hmm. and use the, in the system as is, you know, getting rid of the dollar, getting rid of currency isn't going to not even the dollar, but like the digital currency, the banks, the banking system. Now, the sooner we stop participating in it and using our energy to trade, you know, like what do you, you know, you're a dog walker, you're a dog sitter, you're, you're a house sitter, you can provide that service and get food. You know, why mm-hmm. do we have this middleman that we have to be a slave to? And what happens when the currency goes, goes out? There's still somebody trained to keep the lights running, to keep, you know, to, to keep the street lights going. You know, there's, the infrastructure is there. It's, it shouldn't be too too hard for uh, most people to wake up to it. Um, right. I just wish people would do it sooner. I'm, I'm, I'm being impatient, maybe. Uh, it's going to happen on God's time. It's the, when I start to get that little antsy feeling, and, and I've had I've had sciatic problems in the past, and I, I've noticed in this last week or two that I hadn't done anything to aggravate it. So I was like, oh, I must be I must be getting like that ants in the pants, like impatient feeling. And I've had to remind uh, myself. I've had to remind myself, I'm not God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So just allow it to be. It, how it will be um, the because God doesn't want us to suffer, so I think the way that He's having it unfold is where it will be the least traumatic as possible. Exactly right, and I kind of feel like I got a little bit of like this um, energy out today doing the chicken coop, which was so much fun, and the chickens are going to mm-hmm. love it, and um, you know, and that's something that we've got a, a decent sized flock, and we can actually provide eggs for our neighbors and that's um you know we definitely have i i would say four times as much as we eat these hens produce and so for people who aren't vegan and people who are struggling in the system you get you know um, backyard farm eggs like that's that's kind of a nice little perk for neighbors Mm -hmm. i don't know um so i 
I feel good about that. I feel I feel like I'm preparing to make this transition um, the least bumpy it can be. Correct. Right, and that's all that we can do. And what I have found is that when God gives you a calling, so long as you're willing to agree and do what you were called to do, like God carries 90% of it. We only really have mm-hmm. to carry 10% of it. So, like, it's, yes, is it going to be challenging and tricky for those who will feel like they got the rug pulled out from under them? Well, yeah, because they weren't, they were willfully blind, I suppose. I, what's the way I, I prefer to say it more like their alarm clock has been going up, but they've been hitting snooze. Yes. Yes, and then, so the signs have been there. It's like they know on a they know on a, like a subtle level that it's true, but they just they want to wish it away mm-hmm. um, because it's unfathomable that we would live very differently than what they are used to. And listen, my lifestyle is very different than what I was used to five years ago, um, and. I'm just like, oh, it's so funny because, yeah, it, it's scary to dive into the deep end. It's also the fastest way to learn how to swim. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. It, I'm trying to, like, make it make it a soft landing, and maybe it's just the, the metaphor should be the Band-Aid's going to get ripped off. <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't know. For a lot right. of people. Yeah. And guess what? That's the reason why those of us who had our eyes open and have been following what our natural instinct has been, um, we're being prepared to be the new leaders, and it's not leaders the way that people think of leaders the way we see them today. The leaders of tomorrow look completely different, and um, like we're, we're in preparation for that time, and guess what? As long as it's, people don't stay stuck on the I told you so, because that is still happening, and I, I try to very kindly let people know that that is definitely um, making it take longer for us to get to the finish line is because we have to be in a correct place ourselves if we're the leaders. Yes. Um, but we are we will be the trustworthy ones to help people, um, I guess, go through their grief cycle as, as smoothly as possible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I guess I, I um, we call it the um, the Thanos leaders of, of today. Like the idea of leader to a lot of people right now is like a Marvel character, you know, like Superman and you know these savior figures that are that are going to come in and um, and just make it all better, you know. Um, and and it's you know with the the uh, flash of a wand, you know what I mean? It's just no effort needs to be done the leaders are just going to come in and save us. Right. And so the, like you said, the leaders of tomorrow are going to, they're not going to look anything like the leaders of today. And it's that, um, that um, savior complex, but, you know, we're going to be switching from that to, um, you know, we, everybody has to kind of save them themselves. We'll show you how to do it. You lead by Mm -hmm. example. Yeah, what do you do before a crisis? Chop wood, carry water. What do you do after a crisis? Chop wood, carry water. Chop wood, carry water, exactly. Right. Um, do yeah. chickens. Business as usual. That's what I remember saying to people, like, when they would ask me, like, well, what is, how, how are you navigating this? And I'm like, I 
I approach it like business as usual. That's why, like, I I personally did not go to the lengths of, like, getting an exemption. I was like, um, that doesn't seem like normal to get an exemption. So I'm just going to say no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, business as usual. I think there's a reason why that phrase was given to us is so we could use it and, and just stand in what is true. Like, yeah, nothing's changed for me. So here we go. Life goes on. Right. Yeah, that's true. And I played the game a little bit more than you did. You, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think to my recollection you ever did. I, I went through um, two, you know, the, the two-week trauma-based mind control. I, I, was, I was cuckoo for the first two weeks. And then I, one day my logical brain just kicked back in, and I was like, wait a second. Wait, wait, no, wait, no. And I was like, oh, I was just being silly. But, like, that's, I mean, we're um, – not everybody is created equal when it comes to waking up. And um, some people still do succumb to a certain level of um, trauma-based mind control. And um, I'll be the first one to admit that for the first two weeks I, I did do it. I also got an exemption, right? Because to me that seemed, that seemed the easier way out. But, you know, it's just a little bit of paper, in my opinion, and I'm not judging anybody who did it any other way except for wearing masks. Um, and, but you know, a little bit of paperwork was worth it for me. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I, yeah, I, I still carry it around, honestly, like, um, because you never know. And, um, I got it laminated, like I took it into <laughs> to office depot and like got it laminated with the COVID pat, you know, they were laminating those for free, the COVID vaccine thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, it says COVID documentation <laughs> laminated for me. Uh-huh. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I, one of the questions I'll use with people when I'm like having a, a kind of coaching conversation with them and they're feeling stuck and I can just feel it, that there's nothing I'm going to say. And then I just remember those words. What would Jesus do? And it's like so easy for them to snap out of there. Like, Oh, well, Jesus will just like be Jesus. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he'd go to the court and ask them to give him some documentation. <laughs> That's true. So, um, yeah, and boy, oh, boy, I, I just, I'm just not shy about, I know this would offend some Christians. I, so forgive me if it's offensive to anyone that's listening, but I'm just like, I'm just like Christ. I'm not less than. Christ did not put himself above us. He just was the first one to be so vehement about, like, this is the way that God made us. Let's just go do this shit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And honestly, like there's, there's these, um, these Christians put these like limitations on it. Like, okay, so sin free life, that's something that we all believe. Right. But, um, okay. But you have to realize Jewish law was a little bit different and Jesus is nowhere in the Bible from the age of like 12 or 13 to the age of 30. He's gone. A lot of people think that he went down to, uh, India um, and learn because the Beatitudes, like the bread and butter teachings of, of Christ is, a, is, is kind of Buddhist, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, there's a lot of akin to, you know, I call them the, the tomes. There, there are these throughout like every religion, uh, most major religions have these same ideas there. They go throughout time. And Jesus mm-hmm. was the first one really to, um, you know, to embody it fully. And, um, but that doesn't mean that he lived a perfect life. It means that he lived a perfect right. life from 30 until he was crucified at 33. 
Right. I have a feeling that he was a teenager and did some teenagery things. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because yes. that's part of the human development. You're not like folks who had say too much like helicoptering um, from their parents in their teenage years mm-hmm. are not fully psychologically developed. And I think that we can all say um, that we know somebody that is maybe like a, a millennial that mm-hmm. <laughs> has had some of that. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like they had they had uh, they were overly protected, overly babied, you know, real like delicate kid gloves. And the thing is, is like we learn from having a lot of love, and we learn from being allowed to fall. Yeah, that's true. I know, like, literally, I was thrown into the into the deep end of the pool when I was two. You know what I mean? Like, that's, mm-hmm. and we learned, that's how we all learn to swim. You know, there is mm-hmm. sometimes to, to let children do things, do dangerous things carefully. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so totally. But, you know, the, the last time um, Jesus was mentioned before he left until, like, he, the last childhood moment that was, um, mm-hmm. what was it, it was. Okay, so the family had to go travel, basically migrate to Jerusalem um, from uh, Nazareth. And um, they it, it's about a day and a half or so between Nazareth to Jerusalem via caravan, right? So they go there, they do their things, they pay their taxes, they, they go and shop, and they start to head on out. Um, Jesus... Uh, uh, Mary says to go to, to Jesus, go with your father. Um, and I have to go shopping. So they shop, they leave. They're about um, a halfway through, about a day in or so um, from this, on the way back when they realize that Jesus is gone, right? He's nowhere, he's nowhere around. So they, the whole caravan turns around and goes back to go find Jesus. They go into the temple, and he Jesus is surrounded by Pharisees, and all of the Pharisees are asking him questions. Mm-hmm. And um, so they, you know, of course, first Mary's like, I told you to go with your father. And he goes, yeah, so I went into the temple, you know. So ah. he went into the temple, and he started asking questions to the Pharisees. All he did was go in and ask questions. And about, a, you know, a day in, and the Pharisees were asking him questions, you know. And mm-hmm. that's the last time Jesus is really heard of until he's 30 years old. Mm. Hey, I'm so happy to learn about that story because I, all three of my children have had an experience of, like, getting out of sight. And, you know, that's, that's like, one of the big, scary things of motherhood. and. Yeah. I just chose, like, I wasn't going to have any shame around it. I'm just like, okay, I've got three kids, and sometimes one, like, turns a different direction, and, you know, yeah, did it create a scene because I had lost track of them? Fucking Jesus' mom lost track of him. Thank God. Exactly. Right? (laughs) And people have statues of her in their house, you know? Come on. (laughs) But here's what I always knew. I knew that it was temporary that they were out of sight. I. I just was not shy to make a scene because if you make a scene, you're going to get your kid. That's for sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's the, exactly the right thing to do. But yeah. So anyway, that, I thought that was really funny that that was the last time. And then he comes back and, um, you know, gets baptized by John the Baptist, who is this dude, this wild man who just roamed around eating locust <laughs> and honey 
you know, <laughs> but he did it exactly how it was supposed to happen. You know, he got baptized. He came back and was baptized at 30, and that's a full immersion in water. And um, and he started his ministry. And that's something that, you know, he, he lived a sin-free life So um, mm-hmm. as a man. And that mm-hmm. really is the inspiring thing, right? Even though he was tempted, he did it. You know, and so that's really the, the moral of the story is, it, is you're right. He isn't, Jesus isn't God. You know, he says it many, many times. I'm, you know, don't bow to me, bow to, you know. Pray, don't, don't pray to me, pray to the Father. Don't, you know, like all of these, I'm, none is good but, but God. I sit on the right hand of God. It's not, you know, he's, he's not God, but he's, and he's not, um, and he's not less than us either, right? He's mm-hmm. exactly what we should be doing with our lives. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't become God, we just go to the place after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, oh, so beautiful. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's made to sound like it's difficult and it really is so easy. Yes. We make it hard. Yes. Mm-hmm. The human mind. And I don't even think it's the human mind. I, I think it's the conditioning, right? Of the nefarious. Yes. Whoever those folks are. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, and that, I, you know, it, it leads me back into the, the topics that we're, that we talk about today. Um, COVID 9-11 because it's anniversary coming up, but this is part of that conditioning and, mm-hmm. um, you know, accepting what the system is, you know, um, to, to see the farm is to leave it kind of thing, kind of in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, it's really like not a whole, I can't really blame a lot of people for not seeing it. Um, but it is important, I think, to remember that the people are um, more conditioned um, than we give them credit for in some cases. So, um, you know, just have the right equipment to deal with it and know that people are fragile when it comes to these kind of topics because they, they will fight you to protect their home really mm-hmm. like this this, in, this um, mindset that they're in that's comfortable you know these, these people these um, psychologists are talking about being out of the comfort zone being very uncomfortable it's not just you know slightly uncomfortable it's like people try everything that they can that's like in music when two notes don't you know harmonize they're offsetting people people get emotions from that you know this the dissonance the cognitive dissonance um, or the dissonance of music is, you know, another way that you could say, oh, yeah, it's just uncomfortable to hear that um, mm-hmm. times a thousand because these are these are whole worlds that people make up around them just just to avoid, um, you know, to to avoid the system being a sham. Right. Right. Well, because some of that has to do with also the the fear that they will then be called to take action. And yes, I think folks have a a thought that it's going to be a huge undertaking. And I'm just like, oh, there are people in higher pay grades than me that are doing the huge undertakings. I don't have to worry about the huge undertakings. I just got to worry about what God puts in front of me. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you know, it, it's it's fun. it's funny because when you were um finding out that your your in your industry your um was kind of a sham mm-hmm. a major sham enough to walk away from it um did you ever think that by doing that you would be where you are 
right now? I mean, is is this a uh, a place you think you ever saw yourself back then? I knew that I would no longer work for a corporation, and that I would, and even though I was an independent contractor, you, you still you're you know you're paid from a corporation. Right. And I knew that I wouldn't take a paycheck ever again. Um, and I don't think I yet had the spirit message that money was going to go away. But as soon as that started to um, come into my awareness, it would keep coming in um, with, like, more certainty every time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I, I've been given the path that I've been given because uh, – like everything in my growing up and even in my working years was like all proof of what my personal mission is. And I think everyone, once they have their eyes opened, can attest to that being true for them too. You just go back and you look at your own personal story and it's like what God is putting in front of us today, he already prepared us for our entire life. Um, so could I have envisioned it and predicted it myself? No, because I'm not that bright. Um, if anyone would have tried to tell it to me, I would have been like, you're a psycho. Um, so the best thing to do is to take it one day at a time, right? Because it's, it's, and that's like the 12 step thing is why take it one day at a time? Because you're living in the present. And then that, what does that call forth from you is to live in faith. If you start thinking too much about tomorrow and too much about next year, you won't, you will lose your faith in what God's ability to provide and work miracles through others. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So that's, that's been my personal experience is to be in as much surrender as is palatable. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently I have a very um, interesting palate because boy, the amount of surrender that I've seen, seen firsthand is like, I never predicted this to be part of my life. In fact, I judged people that would have these types of experiences but what does that do is it allows me to have grace for those I used to judge and have grace for myself and be like, ah, look, we're all just playing a funny game of, you know, working our way through sin. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting that, um, gosh, we met, this is, you, you know this story, but for people who, who don't know, um, Joanne and I met, um, I think in, two, I want to say 2003 or 2004, through mutual friends that neither of us talk to now. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. Um, and a dec- yeah, a decade ago. Um, and we, we didn't keep in touch with the mutual friend. Neither one of us did. Um, I still remember we just went out one night, um, and I think I maybe saw you in one other, at one other event, maybe. And mm-hmm. here we are 10 years later, <laughs> you know, doing a uh, radio show together, trying to, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is really crazy who God puts in your life. And, um, you know, you never know if you're, you know, your paths will cross again. Hey, maybe I'll, my, I'll cross paths with that mutual friend of ours. One of these days, one of these days. Well, guess what? But, Everyone's waking up. So I, that's very possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so we only have about 15 minutes left in the show. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Um, one of the practices that I've started is 
when they do have a bunch of things that are on Facebook and folks are kind of doing their virtue signaling by doing the, you know, tomorrow we will all see it, the never forget. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know that we need to say never forget because the way that they want us to have it as never forget um, is a, a very nefarious energy. And the, mm-hmm. the work the work of forgiveness, and I, I totally get it that there are folks at different stages of the game, and I, I respect that very much because I was at those various stages myself. What I know to be true from firsthand experience is that the deeper your forgiveness goes, the more radical your forgiveness, you will forget those who wrong. Like you will forget the details of having been wronged because that's the purpose is to wipe the slate clean. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and, and I, I'm definitely feeling you on the never forget thing um, because that does bring up scorn and... Um, you know, they brought that, that they, they created that for 9-11. Um, never forget, meaning go kill a whole, you know, millions of people in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So I feel that. Um, it's one of, okay, so Ty says that history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, I guess it, we, we, we do have to remember, um, but never forget is a different thing. We have to remember so it doesn't repeat itself. We have to stay vigilant, I think, because uh, these kinds of um, trauma-based mind control situations that they put us in, um, they, they, they weaken the collective. Um, and they're because de- they're and they're designed to to be that way, right? They're designed to get us to be in um, unison um, for something evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna putting- phrase it. I'm gonna phrase it um, slightly different of, about the the forgetting. Um, yes, forget what they did and remember that you forgave. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. I like that. Let's do, yep. That needs to get crocheted on a pillow. <laughs> um, yes. But, yeah, but as the, you know, what what anniversary of this is 2001? We're into 20 sec, 22 years. God, I feel old. Mm-hmm. Um, is that right? Yeah, 22, yeah. 22 years. Yeah, so this is our interaction. I said, I misspoke. I said a decade. It's two decades. Mm-hmm. God, we're old. <laughs> Your cells are um, listening, Danielle. We are young. We are youthing. That's true. That is true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but this, as this anniversary comes up, it's like it is a good idea to, um, to remember to, and, and still to wake up those six or seven people in the back row who still don't think something funny happened. Right. And especially with the political involvement now, maybe people will be like, Whoa, our government did that. We should wait. It was both sides. Wait, what? Maybe that can be the the unifier um, to get people away from, 
from consenting to politics and start using their energy to do other things like grow food and spend time with family. And, you know, I don't know, the sooner we get to that, if we can land on that reality, that would be a big win. Um, right. But like that show manifest, somebody's got to land the plane, right? So it might be a little rocky. It could be a smooth landing. <laughs> no pun intended. Land the yes. plane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good one. Yes, I went there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was clever. Um, there was something I was going to say, and it, it popped out of my head. If it's relevant, it'll come back. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I hope that we can wake up enough people, but I think we're already there, you know, like now what I'm, I'm trying to do is just show people how to, you know, what to do with chickens, how to, you know, how to build a chicken coop and run and, um, you know, how to sidewalk garden, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, if you, if money was no object, what this is kind of like the question I wanted to throw out for listeners to just meditate on, pray on, contemplate, however they do their thinking. If money was no object, what is the work that you would do in service to others? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it would have to be plant food. It would feed, mm-hmm. feed the people. Mm-hmm. Spread, spread news, spread the right news. I, you know, I would definitely do something like this. Like, I would help people take back their resources, starting with food, news, and health. That's in any way that is possible. I would, you know, help to advocate for the for people to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would be mine. Yeah, there was there was no joke about that being a constant message. Is we are the news. Yes, um, and. And I'm I'm really wary of um, certain alternative media that is out there, and it's only going to be more tricky to discern um, what is true and not true, even if it's coming from the alternative media, because it's part it's part of the game in the you know the last baiting breaths of the nefarious that are dying off. Yes. Absolutely. You see it all the time. The, the legacy media is, is dying, um, but I'm, it is something to be curious about as to what's going to fill that vacuum if we don't. You know what I mean? Well, remember once upon a time, there were just independent newspapers in every city, every town, every city. Mm-hmm. So I think folks will start to realize like the, the more local that people focus, that's like the more sovereign that your life is. Yeah. So local, your most local backyard news, you know, your friend on blog talk radio. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, I I think um, you were on a, gosh, probably the show a year ago or so. um, And we were talking about how all media is, um, is corrupt. And I was like, well, except for this news outlet here, this is, you know, (laughs) except for us. Um, and you've seen that Sinclair um, broadcasting video, right? That I mean, um, about you know Sinclair broadcasting. Mm, maybe, maybe not. I, I can't always remember everything that I've come across. 
Okay, it's a big group, um, a big news group, and they. This is during Trump, like the Trump era, and they mm-hmm. made. They, they it's like a, I guess what do you call it a syndicate, where it goes to every you know every major city and from mm-hmm. one so the opposite of independent, and they mm-hmm. did this this mashup right as um, you know the very beginning of Trump's. Uh, presidency, and I'm going to just play a little bit of it for you here. Hold on. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to serve our Treasure Valley communities, the El Paso Las Cruces communities, Eastern Iowa communities, Mid Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS 4 News produces. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on social, social media. media. More alarming, this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. Yeah, so did you catch that? I, I, it's better <laughs> yes, with I'm audio. Sure. I'm sure I've seen it uh, before. It all sounded very reminiscent. Yeah, and so every single outlet had to record this. And they could not deviate from script. They could not deviate from anything. And that right there is what we're, we're like, that's the David and Goliath kind of situation that we find ourselves in. Except it seems like Goliath is taking, they're taking, he's taking himself out. Like, he's hitting himself in the head with a rock at this point. So I didn't really see that one coming. Hallelujah, though. Yeah, right? David's just down here saying, we're here at the ground uh, as David, you know, as Goliath hits himself in the head. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're the ones that have to report on it. Mm-hmm. It's all very comical. I mean, it wasn't it back in the days of Greek um, drama was comedy and comedy was drama? Yes. It was yeah. the opposite? Yeah. So I... Hmm. I I do my best to look at it and just go, it's all freaking funny. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once you realize what's going on, you know, it is kind of like, yeah, pulling back the, the curtain and seeing the, mm-hmm. you know, the little man who's running the whole, the whole show. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so you're, it's definitely, as I um, learn more and more about it, get more and more comfortable with the fact that this is kind of an illusion uh, it does get more and more funny. But I, I remember being pretty freaked out when I was first realizing this. Um, so to those people who are just waking up, you know, sorry. I feel like I might, <laughs> sorry, not I, I feel sorry. Like I might be like a little bit too like um, flippant about some of this stuff, you know, because. Oh, no, it's the best way. I think it's the best medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we just got um, our notice that the show is um, just about up. We've got about 60 seconds left. Any last words for today? Um, I I just would like to remind people to consider what you're grateful for because 
Scott is a really beautiful day-to-day driver of living in this dimension. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the week. Um, and uh, so I, I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Please share this if you can. Uh, I love you all, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Adios. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.